This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. It's not hard to be better than Barry Jade. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not hard. Come October 17th um, in Canada. Uh, I, I, I... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. And I'm Christian, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. We are coming to you live from someplace in Italy. I think that's. I think Batman's at a, over there on the <laughs> yeah, table. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Might yeah, just be Christian Bale. Yeah, Might just be Christian Bale. Yeah, we're in. We're in. We're not. In, we're not in that reality. <laughs> Maybe it's all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> our our episode today is sponsored by Expository Dialogue. So the way limbo works is. <laughs> yeah, today's episode is all about Christopher Nolan. If that wasn't obvious by the title of the podcast, yeah. uh, uh, we haven't figured out a name yet. window. Yeah. I mean, there's Nolan for you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> there's not a lot of subtle, subtlety. Yeah, not really. Main character with friends who speak to him in nothing but exposition. Yeah, yeah. There's always that one character who his job is entirely just exposition. Yes. And then there's that other character whose job it is to tell, uh, whose job it is to tell the main character about how important he is and how important, how magnificent <laughs> his destiny is. And then there's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Oh, and Killian Murphy. Yeah. Always Killian Murphy. Big eyes. Yeah. His beautiful blue eyes. He is, he is gorgeous. Are eyes. they just, blue? Are his eyes blue? Yeah. Yes. Oh. You could just get lost in them. They're like oceans. Like, well, the that's why Nolan face, keeps casting them. Yeah. The rest of his face just disappears. It's just his eyes. Just even, his eyeballs. Even he's, when he's saying stupid shit like death by exile. <laughs> <laughs> what a line. <laughs> um, yeah, so as per usual, we'll go off off the top. What we've seen this week. Um, Lucas, I'll let you field it first. Sure. I had a um, World War II Dunkirk double feature this week. Oh, fantastic. I, I saw Dunkirk because I hadn't seen it before. And then I watched uh, Darkest Hour. Oh, cool! Yeah, how is the, it? The same event. It's it's, it's a good movie. Uh, the drawing factor is Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill. Yeah, totally. Which is, I don't I don't know. It's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, obviously. but yeah. that's not a surprise. Yeah, I was gonna ask, does he disappear into it like the, the way people have said he did? Oh he yeah. Does? Oh yeah. Like I like most of the movie, I was looking at it. I'm like, Gary Oldman's in this movie. I know he is, and I'm looking at his face, but like I don't see him. Would you believe that that was Winston Churchill? Like they actually just resurrected him, and they just said <laughs> that it was Gary Oldman playing him. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> you can see around around the eyes. You can kind of recognize that it's Gary I, Oldman. What if what if Gary Oldman is just a necromancer, and he's just like bringing people back from the dead, well, and then just I wouldn't be surprised. Well, if Christopher Lee's actually a vampire, anything's possible. Yeah, he didn't um, die. He just went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he'll wake up in a couple of years. Um, I was gonna say that. With like uh, when you have an, a performance where the actor has to wear like so much prosthetics and whatnot, mm-hmm. I feel like some filmmakers will rely too much on that and just be like, "Oh yeah, our makeup's enough. We can do it." Yeah, totally. Oh no, um, Gary well, Gary Oldman's not that kind of actor. He gives yeah. himself hundred percent to pretty much everything he does. Yeah, I've never seen him give like an underwhelming performance, uh, except for Fatherhood. Or, <laughs> or I don't know. I don't know what he's Red like. Red Riding Hood was a thing. What was that? Red Riding Hood was a thing. Is he in oh, Red? I didn't, is he, I didn't see but that That's one. that one with Andrew Garfield, right? No, it's not Andrew Garfield. It's uh, it's the Evil Dead dude, not a not awesome Campbell Evil Dead dude, but a bland guy from a remake. What? What are you talking about? Red Riding Hood. I don't remember that. Yeah, there's no, a no, no. there's a red, like that trilogy. No, there was a Red Riding Hood movie with uh, 
one of the mean girls had uh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the mean girls Amanda had Gary Seyfried. Oldman. Yes. Right, right. Okay. Yes. Oh, I, I, I vaguely, I vaguely rec- I remember a trailer. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember, remember seeing it at home once on like a family movie night. It was bad. I mean, really bad. <laughs> Gary Oldman has been in his fair share of bad movies, but he's always the best part of those Yo, movies. Yeah, he's totally. like, I was it. He's like Daniel Day Lewis if he wasn't a pretentious prick. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, have you seen? And, uh, what would you think? Of, well, we'll save Dunkirk for later. But yeah, did yeah. you see anything else this week? I started rewatching BoJack Horseman, but I've I've just kind of been busy the last couple of weeks. Yeah, fair enough. I've been yeah. wanting to watch BoJack Horseman for a while it's, now. It's so good. It's yeah, just, I've heard. It's genuinely so good. Like, it's, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, uh, that's all I know from. Yeah, BoJack. it's it, it's so. I don't know how to describe it because it's it's a wacky. Sitcom featuring anthropomorphic animals, but it's also really sad. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it like a wash? Isn't it like a kind of like a washed up, depressed actor? Yes. Yeah. Bojack Horseman was a TV star in the '90s, and uh, now he he's a has been. He's 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 an alcoholic. He's a drug addict, and he's just sort of sad living at home. And there's this guy named Todd who just lives on his couch. You know, the only other person besides Will Arnett that I think could have played Bojack Horseman is Bob Saget. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I think that would have been a perfect casting, yeah. aside from Will Arnett, because that guy's, that guy's oh, yeah. the bomb. There's, there's so many uh, really talented uh, comedians and performers in BoJack Horseman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Aaron, Aaron Paul Aaron plays Paul. Todd. Yeah. Um, um, is an Eric Andre there at one point? Or? I think so. Uh, I can't remember who plays Princess Carolyn, but I know she's she's really funny. Uh, oh, is it? It's, Allison um, Brie plays uh, Diane, and then uh, Paul F. Tompkins is Mr. Peanut Butter. And uh, what is it? Um... Ron Swanson, what's his name? Nick Offerman's wife, isn't it? Is she? she I think she plays... Like, oh, does she play Princess Carolyn? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay, I can't remember her name. I, Megan something. Okay, I, I think that sounds right. But, uh, anyway. but yeah, there's 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 a lot of extremely... Uh, a lot of talent in that show. A lot of very, very good writing. It's both hilarious and then also depressing. Yeah. It just flips the coin. You're like, oh, this is hilarious. Now I'm crying. <laughs> like a good show should, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I saw Christopher Robin twice. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Which I still also want to see. So I saw it once with my sister, and then I saw it once with uh, someone from work. Um, it's it's great. Yeah? It's so much fun. It's so predictable, and you mm-hmm. know exactly what's going to happen, but goddamn that bear, man. <laughs> he just warms your heart the entire film, and you feel like he's fucking real. Oh, like yeah. The CG looks totally fine. There's a couple bits where it gets a little iffy, like when people holding them and moving them around. But I mean, it's whatever. Like it doesn't really, it doesn't distract away from the film. And there's this one bit in the film. It's kind of, it's not really a spoiler, but it's it's what in, uh, like tells me the most about the movie and why I think people should go see it because it's so Winnie the Pooh. Um, there's this one moment where um, Christopher Robin has a wife. Her name's Evelyn, and he. Uh, Chris Robin and Pooh are looking through the window of his cabin and they see Evelyn and Winnie says who's that and he says that's my wife Evelyn and Winnie the Pooh goes she looks kind he doesn't say he doesn't say she looks beautiful she doesn't say she's pretty he's he's like she looks kind that's adorable (laughs) and it's just it's so heartwarming Um, the Um, biggest draw for me going to see it it is uh well outside of a fact of a fact that I love Ewan McGregor um is that you have all of the all of the voices from the show back to most uh, of them. Oh yeah, because it's missing uh, Peter Cullen, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's Jim Cummings. It's, yeah, no, I'm talking or, about the guy who plays Eeyore. It's the yeah. guy from uh, it's Raymond's brother from Everybody Loves Raymond. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what his name is, but whatever. Uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, Jim Cummings is back, and he's perfect. I don't think anybody ever should ever play Winnie the Pooh or Tigger again. Well, he's yeah. a legacy also, voice. Pig, Piglet's not the same. Really? Like, literally, the only returning voice is is Jim Cummings. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, Peter Capaldi plays Rabbit, I think. Really? I think so. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. He might be Owl. I'm not sure. I didn't fact I, check I feel like him. that would be a better fit. If he, played, if, if he played Owl. Or maybe no, Rabbit would be a good fit, too. Yeah. He plays Grumpy well. And then I can't remember who plays Piglet, but it sounds a little weird. Mm. Like, it's not really what you think of when you think Piglet. You kind of think a little bit more quivering in the voice and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, fuck it. It's a pig. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, do, uh, how is it with, you were telling me, uh, we were, t- uh, Christian and I were talking about it a few days ago, and you were saying that, uh, some of them don't really get as much of other, as others. Yeah, the ones who get the most screen time are Piglet, Eeyore, Tigger, and Pooh. Well, that's, that's kind of the, that's the core four. The yeah, that's yeah. the um, core four. And, so, like, um. And I mean, I'm cool with that, like, the original Winnie the Pooh movie, my favorite part of it is just when it's, uh, the last little story was Christopher Robin and Pooh off just walking around and hanging out. Yeah. He's just kind of a boy with his bud. <laughs> um, and then I saw Alpha last night. The oh, one okay. about the boy and the dog. Mm-hmm. Which was shot in Alberta. Really? Right yeah. Drum, drum Heller. That's, uh, what's his name? Kid from, let me in, Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah, and he's also in um, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and he's, oh, and he's Nightcrawler. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, you, the trailers are all like... Come see the hit family film of the year, and you're like, ah, okay, I'm not, I'm not too sold on that. And then, but it's beautiful. Okay, it's like, like, and I mean, like, visually speaking, the cinematography mm-hmm. is just top fucking notch. Um, there's this, there's a couple bits where it honestly is, it's just baffling how how good it looks. There's a other couple times where again the effects are really off, but they make a lot of really cool decisions. Like there's this one piece where um, the tribe gets attacked by a saber toothed tiger. But you never actually see it. You see it in silhouette, and you oh, see like okay. it. You see its, uh, its to its teeth and that sort of thing. So you know what what it is, but you can't actually tell what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool. That's a really cool um, choice that they made. Um, but yeah, the performances are really top notch. They speak the the whole movie is in a in a fictional language. So there's subtitles the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they made up this language for the movie, and it, it's hard to tell that it's not real. Is it, wow. is it super hallmarky with like films kind of like a dog's purpose? Or? No, no, not at all. No, it's pretty much it's just an adventure. All right. So they like go from point A to point B, and then that's pretty much the movie. But it was all right. Um, I also saw Super Troopers two, which is fine. Um, it's funny. <laughs> if you've seen the first one, I don't really have to explain it. It's a fucking stoner movie. Like get high and watch it. It's fine. Um, and then I watched. I started watching Happy. The Grant okay. Morrison, um, Chris Maloney sci-fi series with Patton Oswalt oh. and Chris Maloney. Basically, the premise is, is this guy's an ex-cop, becomes a hitman. Um, one time, he has a near-death experience, and then this imaginary friend from this little girl tags onto him. And so he can see this this little unicorn, this blue unicorn, <laughs> and no one else can. And it's so fucking violent. Yeah? The movie is, sorry, the show is just hyper-violent. There's huh. this one big piece, I was telling Liam about this, where... Um, Chris Maloney is just taking this guy's. He's in a hospital room, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 glass where it's got like the metal in it, like the the cross stitched metal. Uh, yeah, temp- like, glass. like they have on schools and whatnot. Yes, yeah, so he oh, can't okay, break okay. through it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's slamming this guy's face into it, and he just doesn't stop. And you you know you're thinking like, oh, this is this like this will be done. He's gonna hit him three times, and then he's gonna be over. 
he just keeps going and the camera's locked in one spot and he just keeps shoving his face into the mirror until the guy collapses and there's a big hole in the Jesus window Christ. and then this guy comes up behind him and he just throws him through the window and when he finally breaks the glass you're just like oh god <laughs> that's what a relief <laughs> once he told me about this show i was completely sold because like i love graham morrison from comics yeah. like he wrote stuff like batman incorporated you have all-star superman mm-hmm. um and he created uh he created damian wayne and uh doom patrol yeah yeah, so um, he's he's pretty uh, renowned in in that sense. Um, Happy's based off a comic book. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. A graphic novel, I should say. But um, and it also is it's the other draws that uh, Grant Morrison's an absolute crazy person and uh, <laughs> yeah, tends to show a lot in his work. He's insane and does a lot of drugs. Apparently, oh. he does a lot of acid. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, there's uh, to give an example of what it's like reading a Grant Morrison comic is. Uh, um, you understand the ending and what it is, but you don't understand how it got there. It's like, it just goes in on this surreal, psychedelic Graham Morrison nonsense, and you're like, you turn a page, it's like, how the fuck did you get here? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what I've seen. What about you? Um, a few weeks ago, I finally got around to seeing Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah, right on. Um, and a lot of that was, it was one I wanted to see for a while, like, John talked about it when he guest starred on the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of it, uh, pro- what really helped my experience with this was the person who I went with. Um, I have uh, I have an aunt who uh, I'm really close with, and she came to visit. And out of nowhere, she was like, hey, Liam, want to go to the movies? And she's looking at all like the mainstream theaters and stuff. I'm like, no, let's go see something super indie. Let's go to the plaza and see um, Sorry to Bother You. How fucking hipster of you. And, uh, <laughs> and she was like, you know what, Liam? I'm, you're the only person here I could do that with. <laughs> and so we got up and we went. And oh my god, it's really, really good. Yeah. Like, um, it's, uh, um, the best way I could describe it is it's kind of like, uh, being John Malkovich meets an episode of South Park. I think, isn't that what John said too? Uh, he John said literally said, the same thing. He said something about being John Malkovich. He didn't bring up South Park because oh, okay. John doesn't watch South Park. Oh. <laughs> anyway. But like, yeah, no, it gets like, uh, you have kind of like a really odd direction and like a really cool, like just surrealness of being John Malkovich. But then it just goes further and further and becomes, like, super satirical and, like, becomes more and more absurd. Yeah. Like, like you'd see in, like, an episode of South Park, like, the human sentai pad or... Right. It just goes crazy. Speaking of crazy. <laughs> what would, seriously, what would you guys put in your... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, I watched that. Um, then yesterday I re-watched Memento, but we could talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, and also uh, I watched... Yesterday, I also watched a movie that was that I remembered from when I was a kid, and some recent stuff kind of led me to watch it. Um, I watched uh, the remake to Homeward Bound. The remake? Yeah, that's a remake of an older film called The Incredible Journey. Oh. The one with Michael... Yeah, I watched but, the one yeah. with Michael J. Fox, yeah. and, uh, and like, it's, it's a Brown's super... pretty good. Yeah, it's... Well, one, it's shot really well. Yeah. Um, the animals are all really, really good. Um, why don't you why don't you preface this of like you, I, I think our audience will, will appreciate your your, <laughs> your story. Um, yeah, so um, a lot of it was uh, about two weeks ago, uh, or uh, yeah, about two week, weeks, yeah, yeah, about two weeks ago. Um, my uh, my dog that I've had for uh, thirteen years had to be put down. So like, uh, I've kind of just been. So I was like, yesterday I was like sitting around. So you watched the like, one movie about um, animals that's like gut-wrenchingly sad. No, it's not even sad. That one's more optimistic. Uh, the second one's kind of sad. I haven't but... seen the second one, I don't think. 
I haven't um, watched those movies since I was since I was like six years old. So I yeah. So remember. remember the cat's name is Sassy. I remember that. <laughs> I remember, it's like um, a two dogs and a cat, right? Yeah. 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 A golden retriever. Yeah. A, a, a boxer uh, or something. Or? I think he's a Jack Russell. And uh, then yeah, or, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's some. It's dog. basically a golden retriever. Uh, a cat. Yeah, um, a black cat, and then a uh, Michael white, J. Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Michael J. Fox always just brings so much personality to whatever he does. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, like, uh, um, I mean, just like once you hear his voice, it's like, yes, Michael J. Fox, it's Marty. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then I, since it had been a while, I also rewatched uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, right on. Which yeah. I still think is probably my favorite Tarantino film. Yeah, it's all right to be wrong. <laughs> I, honestly, I think I agree with Liam there. Yeah, you Obje- know, objectively opposed, speaking, yeah, you uh, mean, as, Hateful Eight is the best one. Yeah, and it's I, also I, an excuse. I have not seen Hateful Eight. It's yet. also okay. an excuse for for Tarantino to see the N word as much as possible in a yeah, film. That is true. That's true. That's true. I mean, in Django, for him personally yeah. to say it too, because yeah. he, yeah. he, he doesn't isn't he supposed to be Australian? Australian? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound very Australian. But. <laughs> yeah, well, because with uh, J- uh, with Django, it, at least it's like in a slave trading setting, so it kind of makes some sort of sense. It's excessive, but it makes some sort of sense of a Hateful Eight. I'm like, wow, this is just. This is unacceptable at some point. I, I disagree. <laughs> it fits in. And I mean, okay, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about the usage of the N word by Quentin Tarantino. I think enough people have said that. Also, I don't think I'm. It's, I'm going to help the cause at all. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I don't think I'm exactly qualified. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, but yeah, no. Um, uh, the only real criticism I have with Django Unchained is that I think it run starts to run just a little long in the end. Um, like particularly was in the cage and Tarantino's there with like the other and he's being transported. I think that kind of runs on a little bit. Yeah, but everything else I think is great. I think it has one of the most badass shootouts in uh, oh, um, yeah, the movie. Down. Yeah, totally. Um, Whenever Christoph Waltz is in a um, a Tarantino movie, I'm just I'm into it. Yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> great so, in Glorious Bastards. Oh yeah, also, yeah that's his best one. So every time, and also I remember saying this when it came out. To, so to uh, to let you guys know a little bit about me personally. Um, a lot of the time when I get to the end of a year and I've seen a bunch of movies, I'll think like, who's the coolest character, who are some of the coolest characters of, uh, of that past year in film? And, uh, with 2012, I'm like, oh, uh, Dr. King Schultz from Django. He's so <laughs> well-spoken and smart, but so incredibly dangerous, um, mm-hmm. that it just captivate. it's just what captivating if, to yeah. watch. That, that scene, uh, in Django Unchained with the KKK and, like, they're fighting over who gets like the hoods and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, wear yeah. Hoods. Was so, Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it was really funny. But like, I, I watched that movie with my, with my dad the first time I saw it, and he's like, "But they they were just riding. What what's going on? I don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched Hateful Eight with my mom the first time, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "She yeah." She did point out. She's like, "They say that N word a lot." <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, mom. I have, a, I have a story about my mom. I watched uh, Django Unchained with my mom and dad, and. Uh, when, like, in the opening scene, when uh, Christoph Waltz shows up and that whole thing's happening, he like frees Django, mm-hmm. and then the one guy is just like, inward, 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 and then Django throws off his cloak and he's like all ripped and stuff. Mom's like, oh, that's one strong looking. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, oh no, mom. Jesus, Barry. <laughs> um. I was uh, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, um, anyway, flash forwarding to 2018. Um, holy shit, it's been six years since Django Unchained. Yeah. That's Did that really come out in 2012? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. I remember it was like, because uh, I remember it won the, that year it won for Best Screenplay and I think Best Supporting Actor. 
Yeah, I think it right wow. here. Yeah. Oh, anyway. also, also, it's uh, the other thing I'll note is that it's still my favorite Leo performance. I just love how Calvin unabashed. Candy. I just like. Oh, yeah. I he's, love he's, how unabashedly sinister he is. Yeah. And like, but he still has like that charisma. You could. It, he's just. He's just chewing all this scenery and just. <laughs> and just like relishing it. And I'm like, wow, this is like. Because uh, usually with DiCaprio, the only other time I can think of him playing a, a villain was something like uh, Man What's in the Iron Mask. Or, no, or uh, <laughs> Man in the Iron Mask. But even there, he's just mm. he's just more bratty. Well, here he's almost more like satanic. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's evil. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, pure. Yeah, I don't know. Whenever I see Leo, I just see Leo. <laughs> like I don't know. I, I think he's an okay actor. I think he's I think he's not as good as people say he is. Really? But, yeah. I, I I would say he, Leo he, he occasionally is gets deserving a very, of accolades, like, but I wouldn't necessarily. I would moderately yeah. agree with you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I think a lot of his that we just know him so much as Leonardo DiCaprio, and is so and he has such a recognizable face and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. Um, it's kind of like the whole Brad Pitt thing, where as good as Brad Pitt can be, you kind of see Brad Pitt. Which is so funny, because yeah. they're acting beside <laughs> each other in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so that's that's going to be a great oh, yeah. time. That's uh, Tarantino's supposed, it's supposed to be his last movie, right? Uh, uh, no, uh, no, he says he wants to make ten movies and then quit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's, so this is his ninth film. Ah. Um, anyway, f- flash-forwarding to 2018. Um, Again. Yes, we're rewinding, flash-forwarding back. Who cares? Yeah. Um, I, we have some pretty fun news. So In the Trees, the short film we made uh, two years ago, I'd say, about two? Yes, two, finished. three. We, we finished it, I think, two years ago. Yeah. Um, is in a film festival yeah. in uh, Butte, Montana, uh, which is, runs from September 12th to the 16th. It's called the Covalite Film Festival. Um, International Film Festival, I should say. Yeah. So that's even better. Um, Butte, Montana is a fairly small um, community. Uh, I know, Butte. Um, But it's a very very small community. But uh, the Covalite Film Festival, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, draws a lot of attention to to Montana and specifically um, the city of Butte. And uh, we're really excited to have the film in the film festival. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. Thanks a lot to them. Um, I'll be there hopefully, um, for the, the duration of the film festival. So if you are a fan who lives in Montana or any of the greater western states, then please um, come visit. Come on um, down to Butte and meet some friends of mine. You'll have no idea what I look like, um, but uh, maybe you'll hear my voice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> look for In the Trees at the Copeland Film Festival, September 12th to the 16th in Butte, Montana. Uh, I'm not quite sure what day it's playing. They haven't really they haven't posted the schedule yet, but as soon as they do, uh, I'm sure we'll figure out a way to tell you. Um, so today's episode is all about uh, Christopher Nolan, um, uh, one of uh, the seminal directors of the past decade. Or a lot of definitely. people have like to I'd go even off. put it 20 years, two past two decades. Yeah. A lot of people love to say he's like the Kubrick of our generation. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd put him up there like in Kubrickian terms, like putting him up there with like Paul Thomas Anderson or. Um, you know, people of that, or Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, like, he, he's a director that has a very specific voice. Yeah, yeah, but totally. He's, but he's also, like, uh, um, he's also, like, very consistent. Like, even when he makes movies that aren't up to standard, they're never bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. there's always such a craft and, like, uh, what is it, and just a majesty to what he does and how mm-hmm. much just intricacy he puts into what he makes. Out of all the directors out there that I can think of right now, he is dedicated to the craft of filmmaking probably more than most others. Yeah, totally. And, and, and yeah, he doesn't just focus on one particular aspect of it. He's an auteur. Mm-hmm. Like, he, oh, yeah. he does it all. You know, he writes most of his films. 
um, or has something to do with the writing of, mm-hmm. of most of his films. He, he produces pro- every single one of them himself with his yeah, wife. With his uh, wife, Emma Thomas. Uh, yeah. He kind of popularized uh, IMAX in the modern age. Yep, totally. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, like, because I'm pretty sure before Infinity War, Dunkirk was a movie, a movie to hold the record, or full-length, like, movie movie to hold the record for most IMAX shots in one. Mm-hmm. IMAX shots, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but he, uh, he, he's gone on to become one of the most important filmmakers, I would say important filmmakers of, oh, yeah. of our time. And well, also, I mean, also very commercially, commercially yeah. successful. Oh, boy, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, like he's often in the 700 or bil- uh, 700 million or billion dollar oh, yeah. club. Yeah, for having moments of, um, very art housey kind of, um, production, um, mm-hmm. in his, in his films. And, and some very heady stuff. Yeah, if, and, you know, you look at someone like Paul Thomas Anderson, I'd mentioned him before, <clears throat> um, he, a lot of his films are gr- flops. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. uh, um, not critically, but, um, commercially, they're flops. Yeah, um, they always do really well in festivals or overseas, but never really well in America or yeah. Canada. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure Phantom Thread was made for, like, 50 to 100 million or something like that and probably mm-hmm. only made like 72 or something like that yeah. so it's not it's you know um but someone like christopher nolan puts out fucking uh, i think dunkirk hit a billion no dunkirk uh was in like the 500 million dollar club uh, was it was it yeah anyway but like the dark knight's a billion now yeah, I'm, um, I'm a, Inception, I think, was um, one of the highest grossing movies of all time for a yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, it didn't reach where the Dark Knight was for was in the, oh, was yeah, in the yeah. top five for a while. In fact, yeah. it, it's the second mo- it was the first movie to hold the record of top of a box office for eight weeks. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll just kind of go down through. So I, I wrote a little um, I, outline sure. of some things that I, I thought would be really good for us to talk about. Um, so kind of first and foremost, I was going to say, like, what are some things that we do like about, uh, Nolan specifically about like his, his work, um, his craft, um, and that sort of thing. Like, is there anything that we can notice or want to talk about, um, about his work specifically that we, you know, inspires us and that sort of Um, thing? mm -hmm. I will say first things first, his movies are big, or at least in recent years, they've been like, the scale has been just so grand Mm -hmm. and like just, Mm -hmm. and just the innovation alone. Um, I, in recent years, I haven't been as big of a Nolan fan as I used to be. I still have so much respect and admiration, but I wouldn't call him, like, my favorite director like I would when I was, like, uh, 17. Um, and I think a lot of it is that, uh, sometimes I feel like Nolan can fall into the issue of being, like, uh, he can lose his grasp on characterization and just become, like, super pseudo-self-serious well, that's the thing. He's not a character director. He no. used his, to... his movies are not about characters. They're no, about it's... stories. They're about ideas. I feel like they used to be. There used to be like a better grasp on characterization, but they've kind of lost that in recent years. Mm, I, I, well, the thing is, I, I can I, kind I of think... agree with Liam on some I, cases. I, 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 I see what you're films, saying, yeah. but I also think it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dunkirk, Dunkirk, specifically when we come to Dunkirk. Dunkirk's not about characters. It's yep. about an event. Uh, yeah, his movies true. are his movies are events more than they are but, stories. But, uh, that's At least more recent ones. Recent ones, yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, because, like Inception because... is an event. Uh, Dark Knight Rises was an event. I would Interstellar say Dark Knight Rises was enough. Was a bit was a finale essentially. <laughs> I would say Inception is a blend of event and characters because without it has um, a very colorful cast. What, what is and... DiCaprio's character's name in that? Cobb. 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 So the movie's about him. It is, and it's about but his also drive and most his... of, most of his characters have the exact same motivation. Oh, my wife died. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you think that's just his biggest fear? <laughs> Probably. Uh, or look at um, uh, Tom Hardy, how he just 
I think a lot of it is probably with performance. Like, I have a feeling that his character isn't much on the page, but he, like, just brings, like, kind of... In, things in Dunkirk? No, or? sorry, in, uh... Okay, in Inception. Uh, Inception. He just okay. kind of brings a bit of a, uh... An eccentricity to it. That was yeah. a movie that really, like, Inception was the movie that kind of, like, put a lot of people back in the public eye. Like, like Tom Hardy. Like, um... Uh... Uh, what's her name? Emma, not Emma. Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Yeah. Emma Page. A lot of a lot Ellen of Mar- Marion Cotillard. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people movie. I knew didn't know who Tom Hardy was before that movie, I didn't. and and I was like, I've seen that guy. He was in Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> even, even started giving Joseph Gordon-Levitt like more serious roles outside of like yeah, yeah. romantic comedies and, and Mark like, more stuff, indie you know? films mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, like talking about the things that we do like about Christopher Nolan. So, like personally speaking, I love I love the way in which he constructs a story. Um, oftentimes not really having anything until the very end, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, giving you all the pieces, but not telling you what the, what the puzzle is until you, it's like, he gives you all the pieces and then at the very end, he gives you the box, the picture. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he, he's cut. like sitting there walking you through. He's like, and that one goes there, and that one goes there, and that one goes there. Yeah, but he's not, <laughs> like, they're not numbered one, two, yeah. three, four. It's like one, sixty-nine. 420, yeah. Yeah. 507. <laughs> um, I had a English teacher who once uh, had a great saying that I think really applies to Christopher Nolan, where he said, when you're doing like a really twisty, turny story, there are two ways you can do it. You have either a puzzle or you have a jack-in-a-box. Something like 12 Monkeys, the Terry Gilliam film, yeah. is a jack-in-a-box. Yeah, it <laughs> just kind of comes up at the end. It's just like, okay, it's it caught me off guard, but it's totally meaningless. Um Well, Nolan, like it's so intricately crafted that like you could always go back and try to put it together and you're kind of putting the pieces along together as it's going as opposed to just pop we have a twist <laughs> um yeah i also really love the way that he utilizes his um camera crew um and his cinematographers in every film i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he's worked with the same people well, moderate like most of he the, one of the things that i do appreciate about him is that he his crew and his his cast are typically the same people yeah he has time. he has his in group yeah and he knows who he likes working with and i can respect that mm-hmm. because i've done the same thing for the past couple of years yeah, and i think hans zimmer has scored all of his movies since batman begins i think i, think, uh, I believe yeah. so um, um there's but also michael kane always loves to michael pop up Kane. michael kane michael kane um but uh the other way I, i'm pretty sure he has worked with roger deakins I believe. I think Deacons did Insomnia. Uh, I believe he did, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right, yeah. Um, but he typically, he, he works with people that have the same sort of visual eye as him, which is really impressive. Um, you know, even looking at something like Interstellar, which is a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Um, really incredibly well shot. Um, the space stuff is just unbelievable. The effects are amazing. Yeah. They're Considering fantastic. there's minimal CGI. Yeah. yeah. So good looking. Like even those robots, like how they're puppets um, yeah. and like it's, animatronics. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, but even Mo- looking at something as simple as Insomnia, where basically he is showing a move, like he he's telling himself no darkness. Mm-hmm. He's like, we have to make a movie where it's light all the time, yeah. and everything has this very high key lighting, but still making that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know that scene where they're running through the fog or the mist there, yeah, like it's really it's, it's captivating because of the way that it's shot. So um, I really appreciate that about him. I was gonna say, have any of you guys noticed Nolan's little snow fetish? Red <laughs> mountains. There's always he has his love for mountains and snow. I mean, who um, doesn't love snow? I'm not well, you know, I, people who have to live in snow typically don't te- don't like his snow as much as people who don't. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, like even yeah, to I a fucking point hate where, snow. Actually. Even to a point where he goes to a where he takes his characters to a far off planet, and it's 
It's the clouds are mounted. Well, well, the, well, that's that's the thing. When you go off to a far off planet, space is fucking cold. <laughs> so most planets are gonna have ice on them. I mean, it's just clear that he loves his snow. But uh, so, is there anything we don't like about? Well, I, I didn't really get to talk about what I. Like. Oh, sorry. Go I ahead, Lucas. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll talk Chris, over you. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Christopher Nolan uh, is kind of the the him and Joss Whedon were sort of the directors that sort of got me to notice like the more behind the scenes stuff about movies. Yeah. I saw Inception, and it blew my mind. And then I saw Dark Knight, and it blew my mind. Sorry, it made and you then, see the more stuff behind. Yeah, and then film, I or then, did you then appreciate I sort of, it more? Uh, then I sort of then I asked like, well, who made those movies? I, I see. found the name Christopher Nolan, and then. It was a similar situation with like Joss Whedon and Firefly and Buffy and stuff, and then I started noticing the people behind the cameras yep. less than uh, more than the people uh, out of the cameras. That's kind of how I Inception really was the movie that got me interested in filmmaking itself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I because it, it was I, for a lot of um, filmmakers in the yeah, early uh, mid two mid two thousands and uh, or early aughts, I should say. Yeah, I think twenty ten was Inception. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I also really like his the, the tone of his movies. Mm-hmm. He has very consistent tone throughout all of his movies. It's it's like it's it's intense, it's high stakes, and the sound design kind of uh, builds that as well. I know that I know a lot of people really hate his sound design. Well, that's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing I was gonna say. I don't like yeah, about his work. Some movies where the sound drives me crazy. <laughs> no, I, 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 personally, I, I have never had a problem with his sound design. I think it always adds to the tone and. Uh, the feeling of the movie. Yeah. I, it, I have no problem with the design of the sound. I mm. have a problem with the mixing. Yep. Yeah, in, in Interstellar, sometimes it's like I can't hear them talk. Yeah, it's Bappy Bacate is <laughs> giving this monologue, and all you could hear is It's in the. Is it not in the yes. movie? Yeah, it is. Is Kleanus Scotsy actually in the movie? Yeah, so you know that bit where he's. That's not not that song specifically, but one of the songs from the soundtrack is in the movie. You know when he's going into the black hole. Well, I, f- I fell asleep during Karnaskazi. So. No, 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 but, no, no. I'm, I'm in the when he's going into the black hole in yeah, Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. The song that's playing is is a song from Karnaskazi. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that Karnaskazi pops up in a lot of movies. It's in Watchmen also. It's, it's in Scrubs. It's, it's in Scrubs. Actually, I think you you're showed right. me that. Yeah, yeah, you sent that to me. Did even, I? Yeah. Oh, even man. with my ex, there's one day she was watching uh, Gilmore Girls, and there's this point where Sean Gunn is just doing this weird interpretive dance to Karnaskazi. <laughs> weird. <laughs> I mean, it's a great song. So Sean Gunn was in Gilmore Girls. I know I was about to shock this more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so that's one good thing to come out of that. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I, I'm not really a big fan of with Christopher Nolan films is just, and, and to be fair, that's not really entirely his fault. Like, I mean, kind of is because he's the director and he should be like, I don't like the way that sounds. Or yeah. he's more English. Should be like, I don't like the way it sounds. <laughs> I just don't get it. That uh, sound, who cares? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I'm not really a big fan of. Um, anything I know, else? I know a lot of the common complaints are uh, similar to what Liam kind of said, weak characters. Yeah, I think the characters are uh, exactly where they need to be for the, for the, for the, the most part. Yeah, for, for, the, for the movie. If yeah. they were a real person, it'd be pretty hard to believe them or, or, or yeah, I think, remotely I think, be friends with them. I think part of it is just that like, uh, when you don't have characters to anger it, sometimes it runs for risks of just being like super pretentious and self-serious. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, you're kind of losing me now, man. <laughs> I think a lot of it is I'm very much a characters guy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think you just... You got to judge a movie on what it's supposed to be, and none of, very few of Nolan's movies are character movies. Yeah, because you say that a lot, Liam. You 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 say I'm a characters guy, but 
and the movies that you don't like are, are are movies that it's not based around the character. But and in a lot of cases, like Lucas is saying, and what Lucas is kind of defending is that a movie isn't always just about one concept. It's a it's about yeah. There's there's millions. No, of ways I mean to like, and I and I get. You're not gonna like, like all of them. That's I mean fine, like with. But. Sorry, but I was gonna say with like um, something like say Dunkirk. Um, like I completely get past it there because Dunkirk is first and foremost and. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, ver- is very much like simulating war and, ex- and the experience of what the Dunkirk evacuations were like. While with something like Interstellar, part of why it kind of loses me is because you're supposed to care about, very really try to make you care about. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Matthew McConaughey and his daughter. Oh, and I, I think they. I, I think the intention towards the end of the film is to make you care about um, the effects of of time and the effects of of intergalactic travel and that sort yeah, of. Yeah, I don't know. For for me personally. I got drawn into the Coop Murph thing. I was, I was like, you gotta get back to Murph. <laughs> Love ah, transcend ah. space and time. Power <laughs> That was that was silly, but yeah. But yeah, um, weak characterization is one of the common criticisms, and another common criticism is expository dialogue, like yeah. I kind of joked about. And yeah, I can see where they're coming from. But like, if you if you if you made Inception or Interstellar without a lot of uh, expository dialogue, it, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, or even even <laughs> something like Memento. Yeah. even right or yeah. Prestige. Like you need to have someone explaining what's going on. Yeah, not everyone knows how fuck a magic trick is supposed to work. So yeah. you gotta explain it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't. Yeah, like I don't have a lot of problem with the um uh, with the expository dialogue. Like just because with uh, films being like and how intricately crafted they are and so much being in there, yeah, it's like I there's le- you can sure, certainly there is some stuff, but I'm like yeah, you could probably leave do that without just a guy expositing everything. But yeah, it goes like, from expository dialogue to like suppository dialogue, and it's just mm-hmm. like fucking you in the ass. Yeah, like in Inception, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is there to explain everything yeah. to the audience. That's, oh. that's all he really does, and he's a cool fight scene in the hallway. Yeah, I was gonna say he's also very <laughs> kind of a badass. Yeah. But yeah, that's I that's I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. I think he could do a little better in like uh, representation of women. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that's true. But, oh, I'm like I'm I'm pretty sure the only one of his only film, well, two that I can really think of off the top of my head that have like pretty positive female role models in them are um, Insomnia and Dark Knight Rises. Inception, Ellen Page is a pretty good. True, but she really there, isn't yeah, there very much. No, no. she's in. A, she's in most she, of a movie. Dude, she's she's one of the main cast. But yeah, she but doesn't. It does like you know what I mean. When you think of in, Inception, she's not the first one that comes to my mind. Mm. Right, the first person that comes to my mind, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, and then for, maybe for me, Ken Watanabe. She's one of the top. She's uh, Is Ken Watanabe in that actually? movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He buys an airline on the women in that movie. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the plane. <laughs> like I bought the airline. I'm like. What? <laughs> you couldn't have just bought the fucking plane and, and, a, and a pilot. Um, um, anyway, um, so some things that, that he's – we've kind of already covered it, but the next thing on the docket here was any any sort of patterns that we look for in his work, which we've kind of already talked about. Yeah, but, he plays with time quite a bit. Yeah, so his nonlinear sort of focus, um, very heavy in um, his uh, – not so much in following. You could, you could. I haven't seen following, so mm. you could probably speak on that. Is it nonlinear or is it pretty it's, straightforward? I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I saw it uh, following quite a while ago. Yeah. Like uh, when I first had my Christopher Nolan craze, so that was like like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's very student filmy. 
It, well, it literally is a student. It is. Film, it right? is pretty much. It, well, his. He. I don't think he actually went to film school. Like making following was kind of his film school. I think. Oh, okay. That sounds but, about um, right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's. It was hard to pay attention to. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. There's a lot of cool things in it, and but like the actors were not very convincing. Uh, the cinematography was obviously good. It was all shot on film and stuff. Yeah, and it's black and white too. Yeah, it's black and white, which is interesting, but. I don't remember uh, the story all that much. Okay, that's fair. But um, yeah, I remember there's something something to do with time. Like there was a big time skip at one point, and then they were going back, and then it was weird. But okay, so so it is something that has been relevant or prevalent in his work, even going to his first commercial successful commercially successful film or critically successful film with Memento. Mm-hmm. But the movie mm-hmm. that's the whole premise of the film is that it's nonlinear. Yeah, yeah. is that it, it? It's backwards, forwards, upside down. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's um. Who is it again? Guy Pierce. Pierce. Guy Pierce. I was gonna say Hugh Grant. I don't know why. <laughs> Guy Pierce and Stanley Tucci, right? No, it's, no, uh, it's Joe Padigliano. Joe Padigliano oh, and yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's back before Guy Pierce just decided he wanted to be a master of disguise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen, if I've seen that guy's face um, in the past five years. No. Um, Except for like Iron Man three. Yeah, but even then, it's really hard to tell it's him in the beginning That's of the true. film. But yeah, uh, in the beginning, yeah. Yes, yeah, so the non the non linear sort of. Um, uh, Storytelling and, and and that narrative kind of focus is is kind of his thing. Yeah, it's, that's very Nolan. I, I think it's it appeared in pretty much every single one of his films, save for like the Batman films. Like the mm-hmm. Batman films, kind are pretty linear for yeah, the most they're, part. Yeah, they're linear. I think they had to be because probably the studios were like, "These these are our Batman movies, man. You can't do some weird time <laughs> uh, shit." No, yeah. there's a lot of non-linear stuff and there like is. flashbacks and jumping around. Oh well, yeah, yeah, but like the but stories the, themselves are yeah. mostly linear. Yeah, like there's the, not there's no like bending time in Inception or like be on this planet for. For an hour and it's seven years on Earth, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you, I mean, it's Batman. You can't really bend. Well, you could bend time um, with Batman. Graham yeah. Morrison. Bend does time a with lot. Batman. That's my new comic book. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but he he also, uh, in terms of his cinematography and that sort of stuff, not him specifically, but the people that he works with, he he does a lot of like shallow depth of focus and that sort of stuff. He really make makes sure that the audience can can decipher an image without dialogue in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. So, you know, for example, the top in Inception, yeah. right? Like it's very clearly in focus, but everything else around it is out of focus because the main the primary um information is coming from that 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 spinning top. Yeah. Um even things like in Memento and stuff, there's a lot of shifting of the of the depth of field so that you you gain the information in the same way that that guy Pierce does, right? Mhm. Um, so he does a lot. He's, he's visually, as a storyteller, he's he's very, he's very um, not, not. It was the opposite of inept. <laughs> competent. <laughs> yeah, competent. Thank you. Thank you. He's very competent when it comes to telling stories visually, which is and, and you know there are times where Nolan will write dialogue, like we've already said, when it's just like oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay. show show me something cool. <laughs> yeah. um, there's also uh, I've also noticed another motif in Nolan films is. A lot of like corporate espionage and like or professional espionage, like to a point where uh, Inception is almost kind of Bondy in some ways. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah, it is. It's it's very much a, it's a heist. Yeah, it's like it's very like Sodenbergy or Bond kind of. Yeah, you like he yeah. loves his guy his badasses and suits and uh, yeah, he lo- he loves like film noir and that sort of thing yeah, too. Yeah, very noir. Um, and, and spy movies. I guess film noir and spy movies can kind of go hand in hand in, in some there, There's some, some overlap, yeah. yeah. Like, in fact, I know he is also a really big Bond fan and has wanted to do a Bond movie for a while. I would love yeah. to see that. That'd be that'd be interesting. Maybe he'll replace Danny Boyle for all we know. 
Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard what he's working on. Stone Creek just came out. But well, I mean, he makes well, a movie. Year, yes. He typically makes a movie. He takes a break for yeah. like a year, and then he makes yeah. another movie. He, he he had a schedule going on. He released a movie every two years. I'm not yep. sure if it's Something exactly like that. that anymore, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then he also he also has a lot of his focus on like metafictive stuff. Mm. So like you know things that are only relevant to the story itself. Like yeah. and, and like certain elements that aren't real, like in in real life, but assist in the film to help tell the story and help tell the, tell the narrative basically makes facts up sometimes to you know to kind of just give the audience a little bit more of a break yeah, a yeah. Benefit, Speci- benefit of the doubt especially in his sci-fi stuff yeah specifically Inception yeah <laughs> I mean Interstellar is pretty uh, for the most part it's pretty accurate so there, there's, there's a lot of most of it is based on scientific theory right so we don't know if it's 100% accurate right but it's like, like 98% and I say this with quotation marks, is is accurate. Accurate to the theory. To yeah, accurate to the theory, like, yeah. Because I know uh, uh, Kip Thorne was a really big consultant on yeah. it. And, I think mm-hmm. he helped write the script, too. Um, yeah, he was, he, he was like, deep in the process. Um, even uh, over his stuff, he got a rips off from other places, like the whole wormhole thing where he, like, puts a pencil through it by folding the paper. I'm like, oh, that's quad bleep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the easiest way to explain the wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> Like, if you didn't steal that and you tried to make something else up, everyone would be like, oh, why didn't you just use the thing from Quantum Leap? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't fix a bike, you know? Like, a, a bike works yeah. because a bike works. Yeah. You can't, you can't reinvent the wheel is what I meant to say. Yeah. I don't know why I can't say you can't fix a bike. So you, you can you, fix you, bikes. You, People, it's yeah. their job. I fix my bike. I have to fix my bike all the time. Or if that's not true, I have to ask my dad to help me. Thank you, Dad. But anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, we'll we'll kind of go now. Now we'll go into the meat and potatoes of the of the uh, the podcast. It's going to be very similar to our, our, our Incredicast um, mm-hmm. in that in in some regard. I we're going to kind of go through an overview of of Christopher Nolan's work. So he's only made what ten films? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's made ten films. Go. So um, well directed ten films, I should say. Um, only... Of those ten, he's written nine. Um, yes. Which is very impressive because uh, a lot of directors will, you know, kind of shop themselves out, um, take other people's scripts, and then modify them and whatnot. Yeah, to be fair, um, Christopher Nolan, especially since ever since basically Memento was successful, he's had that freedom because he's always kind of had the money. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, which is something really interesting about him. It, it, and anyway, so going from from his first film, following, which is you, you're the only one that's seen it. And yeah, we kind of already covered it. Yeah. So we'll move on to Memento. Um, I saw Memento when I was in maybe grade eleven or something like that. Grade eleven film school, um, grade eleven film school, <laughs> film class in grade eleven. Yeah. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I still to this day enjoy it. I'll watch it every once in a while. Yeah. Um, just kind of give yourself a reminder because it's good to to yeah. kind of give yourself a kick in the ass. It is a movie that. To me, anyway, doesn't really reward rewatches all that much. No, not like, really. Like, there's lots of details you can notice, but also, like, that the intrigue and the uh, attachment you have to the story is largely tied up in the mystery. And once you know the mystery, then it's just like, okay. It's, it's one of the reasons I've never watched Sixth Sense. Is because you already know what happened. I know what I know. Yeah. The, I know the You're twist. You're missing out, man. I have, I have no interest in seeing it. So, so I had the more. same thought for a long time with, with Fight Club um, mm. because I, you know. Um, spoiler alert um, he's Tyler Durden the whole time yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Fight Club it's 20 years old so maybe it's a maybe go fucking see it um, but anyway I, I knew what the spoiler was for the longest time I, I was always and I still am um, a supporter of the idea of 
if you know what the spoiler is, it's not necessarily always about that. It's about how they get to that point. It's true. That yeah. I find really interesting and intriguing, and that's the part of this. So when people, somebody spoils something, I'm like, yeah, well, fuck you. You're an asshole. But how do they get to that point? Right? Like, um, when Force Awakens came out, there was a um, Reddit post that, that had, it was... Um, 60% of it was was uh, spoilers for the movie, and the other 40% were fake. So, uh, and they did that on purpose to con- to to yeah. confuse people. So I read it, and right in there, sorry if you haven't seen Spores Awakens, they say Han Solo dies, and they explained yeah. exactly how. And I was like, ah, well, fuck me. And so I'd known I was coming. I'd known before a, the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, so I'd known a day before I went to go see it, but it didn't spoil it for me at all. Like, no, it's it was, it's still an effective moment. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's funny that you should say with Memento how, you know, it doesn't really garner rewatches. And I, I would agree with you because of the, you know, it's, that movie is about the mystery. Yeah. And finding out what happens at the end. I'm going to try my best not to spoil any of these Nolan films because I feel like they're kind of sacred territory in some regard. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you mean. But yeah, what like to add on to what you're saying there about spoilers, for the most part, I don't really care about spoilers. But if the movie is based around a mystery or a twist, and then someone gives that away, that, to me, relieves all the tension in the movie. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that's how it works for me. But if someone walked up to me and be like, oh, in Star Wars 9, uh, Finn dies, I'm, I'm still going to go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it doesn't revolve around whether or not Finn is going to die. That's true. And, and also, that's Star Wars, so it's a little bit more yeah. of an exception there. Um, but, it, it, sorry, what I was going to say was, it's so funny that you, you mentioned how... Um, Memento is about the mystery. While Insomnia, it it's not about the mystery at all. No, <laughs> it's quite yeah. the opposite. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. It, you know everything that's happening in mm-hmm. that movie in the first twenty minutes. They tell you who the bad guy is, which at first you're like, oh, I wonder who the serial killer is. It's Robin Williams. Yeah, and you realize, <laughs> and you find out twenty minutes into the movie yeah. that's not the mystery. Yeah, because well, no, the mystery is... comes from behind um, his his paranoia and his his um, his insomnia. His insomnia, yeah. like because of, uh, what is it? Yeah, like Inception's a mi- or sorry, uh, Memento's a mystery. Well, Insomnia is more of a cat and mouse game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think you're right. You're but right. I was gonna say that uh, I disagree with the whole like uh, when you know the twist. Uh, it doesn't really bring in a lot of re- rewatchability. I think a lot of it is because it's like I was saying with uh, with the puzzle and Jack in the Box analogy. Memento is very much a puzzle. It is. And same is. with the Sixth Sense, where each time you watch it, you kind of like. And there's also like other theories you could put in. Like, see, I, I, I disagree with you entirely, specifically with Memento, specifically with that one film. I think that one film is an exception where if you know the spoiler, there's no fucking point in watching that movie at all. Because because it completely de- like I'm on Lucas's side fully bore on this now <laughs> specifically for Memento other films we'll have a different conversation about but specifically with Memento but I do understand what you're saying like when you rewatch a movie that has a lot of puzzle pieces you notice more things and you catch on to more things and, and stuff like that but for me that doesn't garner a rewatch that's, yeah. that's not enough for a rewatch for me personally yeah I know I just like and, and I also think sorry Liam I also think with Memento like the puzzle pieces once you have them you. you like, you kind of just have them. There's really not a whole lot more in Memento than what you're given in your first viewing. Uh, well, I like, mean, I outside was... of that, like, you're just kind of watching it because you want to see the performances. You want to see, you want to you want to go through that ride again. I don't know. I was, well, because, again, I watched it again. Ye- well, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. I watched it again yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other stuff where I'm like, even when you get to the ending, I'm like, is that even true? Like, I'm like, or is he just kind of stringing him along still? Oh, okay. Like, result- hmm. Yeah, it's like, is, uh, uh, was it, is... Was it actually that he was Sammy Jenkins, or 
who is Sammy Jenkins. Yeah, <laughs> was was that actually it, or was uh, or was Teddy just saying that to him to try to get him to stop everything? You know, in the mid '90s, I wonder how many fucking uh, hipster douchebags got who is Sammy Jenkins tattoos. I remember Sammy Jenkins. Remember Sammy Jenkins. I can guarantee there's at least five guys walking oh, yeah, on this planet. Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. not like yeah. I mean, because it's not like. Um, Save a Dark Knight Rises, where you get to be ending there, and it's like, oh, did he actually see Bruce? Or uh, I'm like, no, you guys are just trying to give this ending more meaning than it actually has. With Memento, <laughs> there's actually pieces to put that together, and yeah. like, you could, like, the more you watch scenes of Memento, the more you could just look under cushions and just see stuff, mm-hmm. and just rediscover more things, and it could bring in more theories, and like, you know, I have a completely different experience with Memento than you do, but uh, <laughs> that's whatever. Oh, yeah, um, Insomnia. Insomnia. So I, I, Insomnia was, I think it was the third Nolan film I'd ever seen, which is ironic because it's his third film. Um, but I had seen Memento, then I saw Dark Knight, then I watched Insomnia. Uh, I think pretty much in that order. Oh, um, I really enjoy Insomnia. I, th- I think it's, a, it's, I think it's a great film. I think Pacino is acting his fucking ass off. Oh yeah, Pacino's awesome. Um, Hilary Swank is really good in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's actually such such a badass all the time, and that's Pretty what much. I was saying earlier with the whole um, positive female representation in, in Nolan films. That's Insomnia. She's she's a kick ass. Um, that's true. Character. That's true. She's and she she's lawful, mm-hmm. and even towards the end of the film when she she has to make that decision. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but she's got to make a choice, and she does the right thing. Yeah, she makes the right decision, you know. And she's just like, I got, I'm a cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got to do cop things. I um, say... But Robin Williams is also really good in that film too. Um, it's it's he's scary. He's, he's scary. He's I think it's his scary. third or fourth um very serious and even scary role. Have you seen One Hour Photo? Yeah, he did a right no. before One Hour Photo. Yeah, oh, so Jesus. yeah, so yeah. he did Insomnia and then One Hour Photo. One Hour Photo is fucking creepy. Yeah, um, but he's re- he's just as creepy in his Insomnia. Um, I really enjoyed his performance. Uh, there was one dra- piece. There was a there was a point when Dark Knight Rises was in development that uh it was rumored that Robin Williams was going to be Hugo Strange. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, where I'm like, that's intriguing. Oh God, the possibilities. <laughs> I've only seen Insomnia once. Mm-hmm, I remember really liking it when I watched it, um, but it's. I think a lot of it is that, like, I just, I don't own the movie and I don't have access to it, so I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat there. I, I remember watching it, I remember being completely entranced when I watched it, mm-hmm. and I remember being like, hey, it's it's the guy from Corner Gas. <laughs> Davis oh, from, yeah, totally. Davis from Corner Gas, yeah. yeah. totally. <laughs> I'm pretty I, I sure he filmed literally... it in Alberta, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he, uh, Nolan films in Alberta a lot. Like, quite uh, frequently, yeah. But, like, one of the funny things was uh, I had watched Insomnia, Three days before, I had met Lauren Cardinal, who plays Davis. Really? Yeah, I'm like, oh, look, I know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear something funny about... So, before I did actually watch Insomnia, um, my dad was watching it. I just saw part of it. I saw Al Pacino on the screen, and this is what I was like. I think I was like 11. And I'm like, hey, Dad, what you watch? He's like, Insomnia. I'm like... And I look, I'm like, hey, is that that Al Piano guy? <laughs> <laughs> Al Piano? <laughs> he's like, like what? I'm like, Al, Al Piano, and he's just laughing his ass off. He's like, what's going on my Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> Al Piano. Um, yeah, Pacino, I, I think th- this was kind of around the point where Ch- Pacino was departing away from doing more serious stuff and then started working with fucking Adam Sandler. Um, <laughs> really started butchering his career. Um, which is unfortunate because Al Pacino is a great actor. Um, I, th- I, th- I think he got old and he's like, I'm just gonna do what I want to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I gotta pay the bills every once in a while. I got a phone bill. I gotta pay. It's like, um, 
who is it? Um, Robert De Niro. Yeah. Robert De Niro just makes <laughs> you know what? Uh, the, but here's the thing about Robert De Niro. De Niro went from being one of the greatest um, dramatic actors ever, and then transformed into a pretty okay comedian. Yeah, like that's true. Uh, he's, he's, actually, he's evolved. You know, um, I Morgan was re- Freeman, same thing. I was rewatching Stardust recently, and he's oh uh, yeah. Funny there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie I forgot I really liked. Stardust. When Mark Strong shows up, yeah. what the hell is this? <laughs> um, coming up next on the docket is uh, Batman Begins. Batman so, Begins. So I have one thing to say about Batman Begins. This is my biggest negative. You get one thing to say about no, it. Sorry, one ma- <laughs> major thing to start by saying. And it ties into Lucas's comment about uh, women in Nolan films. Mm. Which is the biggest thing that sucks in, in Batman Begins is Rachel Dawes. Rachel Dawes fucking sucks. She's probably bo- <laughs> she's one of the worst female leads I've ever seen in a comic book. Okay, movie. okay. Are you talking about the character or are you talking about Katie Holmes? Um, I little bit of both. I don't think she's written especially well. I don't. Okay, because because you're pretty aggressive about yeah, that. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, um, like, very like I strongly disagree I mean, with everything you she, just said. All cause... she ever does is like whenever something doesn't go her way or whenever she's mad at me, she just smacks them and is like, <laughs> um, is 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 she as boring as Mary Jane? Um, I said, no, she's I would say that she's not oh, at all. I like, no, her, I I like her more than Mary Jane. I'll give her that. But I mean... Fine. I, I, really I think she's totally movie. fine too. She's I mean, the, the first movie's not about her at all. No. The second movie is totally about Rachel, but yeah. also Maggie Gyllenhaal's a lot better than Kate, better actor. It's not hard to be better than Mary Jane. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not hard. Come October seventeenth um, in Canada. I, I, I thought she was. I'm out of order. Um, but uh, when I finally did get to see Batman Begins, I was like, "This is pretty fucking cool." It, it's yeah. good. It's very good. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, Dark Knight is above and beyond the best Obviously. Batman film yeah. ever. Yeah. But we'll get we'll gush about that oh, in a couple yes. of minutes. But <laughs> we already we already have I think in the first episode. But yeah. Um, but. We'll but yeah, well, I mean, we're kind of we're kind of forced to talk about it. <laughs> I also, I, I said to Lucas and Liam before we started this podcast, um, they wanted to do a, an episode about Batman, and I was kind of apprehensive because I feel like a lot of people have talked about Batman. And then Lucas was like, "Let's do a Christopher Nolan episode." And then I clued in when I was writing the, the names down of the movies. I was like, "You guys tricked me into doing a Batman episode." <laughs> um, it but, also helps that he has producer credit on another Batman film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's yeah, true. He does. Uh, Don, Don well, we don't talk about that one. Yeah. Yep. But regardless, uh, Batman Begins. I think I think a lot of the the performances are really good. I think Christian Bale is a really good Batman. Um, I don't necessarily think he's the best Bruce Wayne, mm. um, but also you don't really see like the, see, I'm, the I'm Dark Knight kind movies. Of opposite, opposite. Dark, oh yeah, I think see, he's much better Bruce Wayne than he is a Batman. Interesting. Uh, he's a very, I don't. I he's also a very different Bruce Wayne than we typically get. Yeah. I also think that the the Dark Knight trilogy isn't really about Bruce Wayne at all. No, it's not. It's about Batman. Yeah. Um, but. So why do you why do you think he's a better Bruce Wayne? I think he pulls off the like the cocky, arrogant playboy billionaire sort of thing. I think he pulls that off pretty much spot on perfectly. Yeah, and that 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 is the Bruce Wayne character because yes. Bruce Wayne at least in Batman Begins. A, yeah, because Bruce Wayne is playing a Bruce Wayne character. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think he pulls that off really well. I think I think he's a little weaker as Batman because I mostly because of the, the silly voice. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it doesn't bug me that much. It, it it doesn't bug me in Batman Begins. It bugs me in places in Dark Knight, and it, it gets oh, over it's... the top in, in Dark Knight oh, Rises. Oh, oh, yeah. By the way, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a lot to say about Rises. He starts having to take breath between every couple words just to maintain the voice. 
Yeah, I don't know what why. What a weird choice. <laughs> what a weird what a weird decision. Um because if you look at the the history of Batman voices, Kevin Conroy was the first guy to do that. Yeah. To make that active choice of the different voices between Bruce Wayne and and Batman. Batman. They're they're slight. That's the difference yeah. between between Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale. Kevin Conroy is just a slight. He's yeah. just Michael like, Keaton also does it. He just makes his voice a, a little bit gravelier. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um I'm Batman. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of, I mean, but that might just be because he's choking. <laughs> just because um, the suit's so tight. <laughs> um, I was going to say that the whole deeper voice thing actually isn't a Bale contribution. He did do a different voice, but like, um, you know how it's not that intense in Batman Begins? Yeah. That's how, that's how he would usually do it, but then Nolan would go in with his sound guys and they'd mess with it a little bit to make it sound more. <laughs> yeah, because in, in Batman Begins, it's like, where are the drugs going? Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool and intimidating. And you can understand but, him. And yeah, and Bart Dark Knight is just, where the fuck's You'll be in a bad itself. But I, th- I think everybody else in the film, too, is doing a, is just doing also an admirable job. Uh, yeah. Killian like, Murphy is a perfect scarecrow. I, I really yeah. liked him, the scarecrow. I thought he was great. Me, too. I really enjoy his performance. Um, I, I think when he's. When he's playing Crane, it's not quite what I think of when I think Jonathan Crane. He's mm. a great scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Like when he's in the costume and doing that sort of stuff, and the like the way that he does the voice and and that sort of thing. I think he's very intimidating. Um, but when he's Jonathan Crane, I'm just kind of like, eh, you're too creepy. Like like mm. I, I, that's the one thing that bothers me about Batman villains is in the Nolan verse, is that as soon as you see them, you're like they're a fucking villain. Yeah. Like even yeah, that's e- fair. even like. Um, I said earlier we're not going to spoil. Hopefully, not going to spoil a couple of things. Kind of hard with Batman. Um, I think I, I'm going to try and tiptoe around it, but like with Liam Neeson in Batman Begins. You oh know, yeah. Like you can tell. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. You don't know who he's necessarily going to be if you if you haven't seen them. If you don't know the plot and when the first movie came out, when it first came out, nobody mm-hmm. had any fucking clue that. Um, Fuck, I gotta say it. Ra's al Ghul was gonna be in the movie. Yeah. Right? And then they're just like, oh, surprise, it's not Ra's al Ghul, it's Ra's al Ghul. But <laughs> at the same time, like, you, you weren't, you weren't, you probably didn't expect it. Nowadays, if you watch it, like, he's a bad guy. Well, yeah. clever thing oh, yeah. they did with the marketing, and it was that, uh, with the toys and whatnot, for, like, the first three months of it being in theaters, the only toys of uh, Ra's al Ghul you could get were the Ken Watanabe ones. And it wasn't until around when the, mo- when the next wave came out. Again, around three months into the release, when they started releasing toys that looked more like Liam Neeson. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. That's yeah. fun. Um, um, and then I, I love, I mean, Michael Caine is just so simple. In the, in the first one, he's not really like he's not really doing anything yeah. but being Michael Caine. Yeah, he's Michael um, Caine. But uh, Michael Caine is always Michael Caine. Is what he does. Um, <laughs> Morgan Freeman always great. Yeah, I mean, although he in the in Batman Begins, he's not really Lucius. He's just Morgan Freeman. Yeah, <laughs> probably my favorite of a cast though. Good old Gary Oldman. <laughs> oh yeah, he's so good as Commissioner. It's Gordon. so honestly, Gordon. oh man, it's hard to tell he's not Commissioner Gordon. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he 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 transforms into Commissioner yeah. Gordon as he soon does. as I see it. I can't see Gary Oldman in that role. No, it's it's Commissioner that, that, Gordon. That's that's one of the roles where he looks most like himself. Yeah, <laughs> you still can't really tell it's him. <laughs> um, I was also gonna say that um, even in though even in like. As much as I love him in Dawn of a Planet of the Apes, there are points where I'm like, wow, Dreyfus is essentially Gordon of Gordon, just lost all of his hope and everything. <laughs> and no mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rhea's kind of a beardy, yeah, like, stubbly. Yeah, but no, I, I, I'm just such a Gary Oldman fanboy at this point. Like, <laughs> he's just, like, every time I see him, I'm like, how are you so good at acting? 
He's, and he's like, well, oh. Luke, you sold Chup. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, yeah, no, he, uh, he essentially plays Gordon straight out of, uh, like, when I read uh, Batman comics, that's what I think of when I'm reading Gordon. Mm-hmm. Like, it pulls his performance straight out of, like, The Long Halloween and uh, Batman Year One. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and then we... Uh... Um, there is one thing... Uh, oh, one yeah, more I, thing yeah, I, was I say guess we get gush about Batman for a little bit longer. Um, with, um, <laughs> there is one thing. It's not as prominent here, but when you get to Rises, it really starts to bug me, which is when the Goyer contributions come oh, in. Oh, God, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, just bad David Goyer lines. <laughs> um he just he, he doesn't he does not like superheroes. Like, why does he make superhero movies? Yeah, no, I mean, well, he writes comics also, and I'm like, yeah. oh, let's, please let's not get Liam started on David. Gordon. I mean, all right, it's just like, all why right, moving does anybody on, like moving him? On, he moving sucks. On yeah. Prestige. Oh. Here we go. Let's talk about the Prestige. Hugh Jackman, yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian. That's the second movie with Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, and Hugh Jackman, right? Shit. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's that's who, who, Batman. Who, who, and, oh, Scarlett and, Johansson was in it, I believe. Um, I Rebecca believe so. Hall, who I Rebecca really like. Yeah. Um, David Bowie. Yes. Was he in it? Yeah, he yeah played, he's Nick Tesla. Tesla. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, and uh, his man. And his manservant is uh, Andy Serkis. Holy shit. Oh, man, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Fuck. No one works with such good actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, Bowie yeah, kills it as Tesla. Boy, does he ever. Bowie is so good I, in that I, movie. I, I, oh, man. I can't believe I didn't know that. Um, um, it, it, he, Bowie's probably the reason why to watch Prestige. No, aside, yeah. I, aside I, from, like, the, 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 the twist. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Prestige is the most... I, I would say it, it's the one Nolan film that probably has the most intriguing twist mm. outside of Memento, probably, because mm-hmm. like you don't you don't know what the fuck is happening the whole time until yeah. you get to the very end, and then they they show you, and it's shocking. Yeah. It's genuinely shocking. <laughs> That's funny because Nikola Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's genuinely shocking, you know. I mean, no. sadly, uh, I mean, I do have quest. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do have re- reservations about how it kind of makes sense in the end. Like, I'm not sure if it fully makes sense, but yeah, the it's, thing it's is, it, it doesn't. Like when it comes to movies, for me, nothing needs to ne- make necess- necessarily logical sense. Things need to make more emotional sense, and they got to make sense in the context of the film. Yes, yeah. that. When yeah. people, I don't know, one of my biggest complaints about modern movie criticism is people are just like, oh, this person didn't act logically. Humans don't do that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, CinemaSins, for that. <laughs> CinemaSins. I fucking hate CinemaSins. Hate oh my yeah, God, I'm at a point now where I'm not a big fan. Which is, it, It's funny. I used to love listening to the, um, the Sin cast. Yeah. I loved it. And then I was kind of like, wow, these guys are cynical. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not even ever cynical. I'm just like, you guys just... This isn't film criticism. This is nitpicking. It's no, great because yeah. they're three white dudes with a podcast, and we're three white dudes with a podcast. <laughs> I got it. Let's go to war. Yeah, let's go to war. Come on. This is this is our declaration of war against the Sencast. <laughs> and, and they're millions of followers. <laughs> let's, go, let's go. Let's do it, guys. To be honest, I actually kind of uh, I understand where the director of Kong is coming from, from what he was calling them out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was being a little bitch about it, but <laughs> but I understand where he's coming from. I love how he made his own video and was just like, actually. <laughs> All right, we keep getting off track. Yeah, anyway, Prestige. Um, Prestige uh, I, Magic. It's, it's, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, uh, the first time I saw it, I was not necessarily in the right frame of mind to be watching that kind of movie. Um, I have seen it since, and I do really enjoy... Um, uh, pretty much everything about it. Mm-hmm. The color palette is really odd, though. Yeah, it's like, okay. Gray and blue. There's that's, also that's the whole movie. There's also it's a lot like of gray browns. and blue and a lot of brown. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale's pretty much exclusively in brown, um, um, except for when, except for when he's in blue. <laughs> um, there's also um, who is it? Uh, 
I mean, Jackman's... That's a great joke if you see the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jackman's great. Because um, water? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it... Uh, um, yeah, no, it's a movie I really like. It's not one I go back to a whole lot again just because I don't own it or and I don't think it's on Netflix or I have access to it. No. Yeah, you have to actively seek it out. I know. That's one where I, we're much more of an inception. It's like one where I'm like, I don't go back to it a whole lot because I don't <laughs> think there's a lot of intrigue around it to really compel me to watch it again. I disagree. Outside, it's more of a performance movie for me. I, I, I don't know. I want to go back and watch it again. That's the one thing. Yeah, I think that's... I might have a different opinion after I watch it again. But... Maybe. Insomnia and Prestige were two movies that, like, I've each, I've seen each of them once. I liked them when I watched them, but, like, I haven't watched them again since. I want to go, I've been wanting to go back and watch them, yeah. but I haven't. Um, and then uh, then we had The Dark Knight. The, the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Which, fuck. I still it's stand so by as probably one of the greatest movies ever made. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's so good. I love that one of the greatest movies ever made is a Batman movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, like, generally film culture agrees on like, that. Yeah. The way I yeah. see it is uh, if Batman Begins was a great Batman movie, um, The Dark Knight is a great movie that just happened to be about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great commentary on um, the political climate of the United States at that time because Dark Knight came out in 2008. 2008 yeah, when yeah. wiretapping was starting to become more prominent and there's that whole, there's a commentary about that there. Mm-hmm. there um, uh, a whole espionage thing, just yeah. in general, kind of being a massive and, plot point. And genuinely one of the best performances ever given in Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I mean, Although, I'm not do exaggerating. You, do you say that because he's dead? No. Or do you no. actually, if he was alive, do you think we would, he would I, this, I there, know, this, there this conversation specifically has yeah. had, been had multiple times. Yes. But I think it's important for us to talk about it. Um, if he were alive, do you think he would receive the accolades that, that he did? I think he would, it would still be... Um, obviously, it is colored by the fact that he did die. There's yeah. no getting away from that. That colored the performance, that colored the perception of the performance and everything. But I do still think it would be viewed as a fucking incredible performance. No, yeah, totally. I, I, I mean... I'm kind of on the fence on it because I agree with you that, you know, have knowing that he has passed on, um, his performance is almost heightened because of that. And you know the great, the great lengths that he went through um, mm-hmm. and how it affected his psyche and his mind and that sort of stuff. Like, that's, that's method acting at its finest, if mm. I would say. Um, but he, uh, I, I think if he were alive, I think people would kind of expect him to do something else that's better if that makes sense like some, yeah. somebody would want him to do something else and I, yeah. I think that would hurt his performances later on in life yeah. and let's let's sense. let's dispel something right now I know there's a lot of people who believe that it was playing the Joker that killed him it's not that yeah, is not true no, no. Fucking he, had, bullshit. he had he had a doctor in Australia he had a doctor in uh, the US they did not communicate they gave him conflicting pills and that's what killed him yeah yeah, um, I, was, I, I meant more so like affected but, his psyche. Yeah, in I know, terms I know, of, I know what you mean. But yeah. that's just, that just kind of came up. I wanted um, to say that. Yeah. Well, actually, they say what really did it in wasn't only that. That wasn't the only thing. It was what really did him in was that he also had a cold and he took an over-the-counter pill that reacted with the two. Yeah, things he, in he there. had chronic back pain. Chronic back pain. He had insomnia and then he had a cold and then all the pills. Happens to a lot of people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened to Michael Jackson. It happened yeah. to Prince. Um, mm-hmm. I was also gonna say on the subject with. Uh, Heath Ledger and her performance is that like I do think he would have received like the praise for his performance. I don't think he would have won Best Actor. 
That's my biggest no, thing. No, I, 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 I can agree. I think he would have been nominated. Yeah, because oh, they're totally. like, oh, let's let's give let's give the comic book book movie a, a nomination. That'll make them feel important. <laughs> oh, <we're> so <laughs> stuck up and pretentious. Um, so, so do you think maybe the Dark Knight, as a film, um, and it being considered one of the best movies ever made, is because of Heath Ledger. No, I think it's is be- because to of, an his, extent. of his death. Though. I think it's like, more so that it just elevated a genre and it showed. It pretty much showed, and a lot of people have talked about this in, uh, what is it, in uh, literary and film studies and uh, and studies of criticism and culture, mm-hmm. that um, the Dark Knight proved to uh, the masses that comic books are kind of our current Greek mythology. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah um, I, I see where you're coming from. But also, you cannot get away from the fact that Heath Ledger's death did affect Oh, yeah, the no, that backed it up, but I... It, not nearly as many people would have seen it. Not nearly as many people would have cared about it. Yeah. Not nearly as many people would have done anything. They wouldn't have talk, talked about it and all that stuff because that, that's huge. Like, and, and the story they spun about how the Joker claimed his first real-life victim, blah, blah, blah. Um, that garnered a lot of media attention and all, all of that. You can't get away from the fact that that colors even the modern-day perception of the movie. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, but, uh, another side of it, too, is like Heath Ledger was not really that much of a pull. You know, before before no people people were very mad about it. Yeah, he was a, he was a pretty boy, and then and then he comes in, does this performance, then you know, unfortunately passes away, um, elevates his performance to to the upper echelon of mm-hmm. whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and deny that the performance isn't outstanding. Yeah, I think um, also why Heath Ledger's Joker resonated so much with people is that like. Uh, um, is that it took everything that everybody knew and liked about the Joker and found him intriguing, did all of that, but also made it completely new in its own. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this Joker is definitely more of a terrorist than a... Oh, yeah, and that, that was, <laughs> yeah. again, part of the political political climate of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But he's still, like, uh, the way, like, uh, they tell, like, his... How he, like, has conflicting stories and stuff, that's straight out of, like, uh, the killing joke. Um, mm-hmm. Where in that story, you're led to believe for most of it through flashbacks that that's the... Uh, um, but that is the Joker's origin. But then he has a line that completely uh, throws that out the door when he says, if I'm to have a past, I prefer it to be multiple choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah great yeah, line. Yeah. It, um, it's, that, that, it's so, so well written. I, I, do, I, I think that um, The Dark Knight is a great use of source material, um, for sure, um, because it does take a bunch of different uh, Batman stories and make it one movie. Yeah. Like, it's long, long Halloween. Yeah, uh, Two-Face is right out of a long Halloween. Yeah, um, some killing joke, like you were saying kind of negates some of it, but it's still kind of prevalent yeah, the there. The Joker himself was heavily inspired by the killing joke. Yeah, totally. Um, and then uh, even some elements of, like, Batman the Animated Series, like, things there's, like that. Uh, there's a lot of, like, year one still in there. Yeah, lots of year one in there um, and that sort of thing. And it really utilizes the source material for for the for its advantage. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, no, it kind of... It's uh, the only thing that... Uh, the only criticism I do understand with just Nolan's Batman in general... Which is that, like, it explains too much. It doesn't bug me too much because there's always going to be different interpretations and different versions of Batman. Like, that's for a reason the character stuck around so long. Because he's such a timeless character that you could just do just about anything and reinvent him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people complain about with this Batman that uh, they explain too much. And he's like, when part of the appeal of Batman is that you don't always know. It's kind of like when you say go to see a magic show. And then they take you behind stage and they show you how they did it. They take you to, you want to see a magic show? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like seeing how a magician does his tricks. And we're back in the prestige. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a thing I hear, that's a criticism I hear with Batman, about uh, Nolan's Batman, and I understand it. 
But I mean, like, I don't have a problem with it because it's just another interpretation of a character I love. Do you mm. think that the line, do you want to see a magic trick, is Nolan just referencing the prestige because it was the last movie he did? <laughs> I've never really put that together. I, was, I doubt it is. It's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot of different media that use the line, do you want to see a magic trick? Yeah, but also, they use it pretty well. And, um, <laughs> magic isn't real. There's Pretty also helpful. a lot of really great uh, <laughs> character actors in The Dark Knight, like Eric Roberts is there, mm-hmm. yeah. um, Michael Jai White, William Thickner, William Thickner. Uh, <laughs> William Thickner. Um, he's great too. Uh, yeah, you and your friends are dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, there's also a scene uh, just to go on another comic booky thing where um, there's a direct homage to the Long Halloween when you first meet Harvey Dent. So in the comics, uh, Harvey Dent gets uh, uh, burnt up when he's uh, in a courtroom interrogating a guy, and the guy just flings out some acid into his face. And in the movie, they kind of tease it, where he's going up to the guy, he pulls a gun on him, and he just punches him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a direct reference to uh, The Long Halloween. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a pretty... The, the movie has a lot of Batman references. Oh, I yeah. mean, it, the movie's about fucking Batman. So. And, uh, <laughs> so it would, yeah. And hardly any David Goyer, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think Dark Knight is exceptional. Yeah. Um, probably Nolan's best film. Um, mm. uh, well, I'll save it. I'll save those thoughts until we get to the end of this. Yeah. But um, up until 2008, it was a <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's. I still stand by that it's uh, my second favorite film of all time. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, one thing I was going to ask you guys before we move on to Inception is this is a conversation I have with just casual moviegoers who think they know comic books. Um, how do you guys feel about uh, Aaron Eckhart as Two Face? Because I know a lot of just general moviegoers don't like him. I, mean, I think he was fine. Yeah, I think he's fine. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not really as much into comic books as you guys are, so I I don't really know much about any comic books. <laughs> I, I think every single but, every single time they have Two Face in a comic book, he's different. Every mm, single time. Every single I, time I, is yeah. the way that the character is written is is different. So Here, I think here's it's here's something I I can tell you. I prefer Aaron Eckhart over Tommy Lee Jones. When it yes. Comes to <laughs> well, I, mean, I can't believe Tommy Lee Jones had the audacity to call Jim Carrey an over the top buffoon, like, given how he was acting. At least Jim Carrey was amusing to watch in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. And a great Riddler. Yeah. Well, he's channel was essentially point? channeling Frank Gorshin from the uh, from the '60s show. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Inception. Inception. It's a great movie. I it it's I, it's my favorite Nolan film. I like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> I love Inception so much. Yeah, it's a great film. Mm. I haven't seen it in years though. Mm. I watched it recently. Yeah, um, I, I I watch it every year. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't like. Don't necessarily. In, I don't necessarily mean to. It just happens. <laughs> I'm just like I'm feeling like it's an Inception day. <laughs> That's like, and then you realize it's actually last year. Yeah. <laughs> What's also so cool about it is that no, the reason Nolan signed on to do Batman Begins and so, and just Batman movies is so he could make, get the funding and, ba- mm-hmm. and support to make Inception, which was very much his passion project. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess I'll just do this Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was I think that you went a little more Kiwi there. Yeah, that's that's, what, that's how Chrissy sounds in my head. <laughs> he um, says not this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like to a point where like pretty much every actor in it is somebody who he had ties with yeah. outside like the main trio. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really know what I can say about Inception because, like, whenever I think about it, I'm just like, oh, I, don't gotta... I think it's a movie that I think but... people should go see, should yeah. seek out. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they could have seen it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. it a handful of times in the theater. Wow, I yeah, saw I saw it at a drive-in. 
Cool. Really? Those still exist. Cool. In BC, yeah. Yeah, back, back in the Starlight Drive-In. Starlight Drive-In, yes. I it's go it's to a great place. So it's bad. a lot of fun. I, I, uh, my girlfriend and I drove past it um, oh, yeah? a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 I think it's one of the, there's like three remaining in Western Canada. I think it's one of the only ones. I'm pretty sure all three of them are in BC. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Inception, it just, it's, it's a movie that I wish people had seen in theaters, because, mm-hmm. um... It's a, it's a movie it to see so in theaters. great to see in yeah, theaters. Yeah, it's, it's an epic, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Would you consider it an epic? It was, it's, in, in a way. Because, I mean, epics are typically, like, you know, you think of an epic, you think, like, Ben-Hur, the Ten Commandments, yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're usually biblical. Um, yeah, or just large. Yeah, and, large. I'd say Inception is, is... It's rearing on in, an epic. Yeah, the interesting thing about Inception, though, is it's also very, very small. Yeah, it's taking like, in place it's taking place inside of a guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> just a heist in a guy's head. Yeah, basically. And, um, what uh, a great concept, too. Is it's a heist film, but we're gonna try and steal his memories. Yeah, or like in, <laughs> or in, implant, in, but yeah, Incept him. Incept but him. On, and honestly, there's some really uh, solid emotional moments in it too. Like it, it may just it might not be real but like when Killing Murphy's talking to like his dad and you yeah. know, he's like I'm disappointed he's like yeah no, you're disappointed he's like no I was disappointed that you tried to be me I was like ah! <laughs> or even with um, <laughs> uh, even with uh, that scene where DiCaprio's telling Ellen Page about what happened with uh, his mm. wife that's what, that's what I I think DiCaprio is underrated in that movie I think he gives a very very effective performance I think the whole well, especially cast is in great. the in the deepest um part like yeah when, when they're in his head yeah that's when he's giving he's, he's acting his yeah. ass off like yeah, he's people, doing a really good job yeah. i think one of the reasons the joker stands out so much is that people in nolan movies tend to give understated performances mm-hmm. that's not a criticism that's just the, the style yeah it's more of a monotone and like uh yeah it's 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 more like like a, how real people talk yeah, <laughs> which, which is why when when somebody is giving a, like a badass performance it's a lot more heightened because yeah, people are exactly. downplaying it yeah it really really works with the joker and yeah with bane yeah <laughs> uh, well, well, we're gonna get there soon it's our next topic but um, um sorry still on inception um no i agree with you i think i think dicaprio specifically in the in the last what like act of the film third act of the film mm-hmm. he's really putting his 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 best foot forward yeah he's acting really well he's doing and ellen page is doing really well too as a counterpart for him in that yeah. in that bit Ish. and uh, marion codillard is that how you pronounce her name codillard codillard marion yeah some it's french i yeah. love how she her transition and her character kind of changes over the course of the movie mm-hmm. too where it like she she's moderately insane like at least the perception of it the way that yeah. you as the audience member are mm-hmm. supposed to see it is that the way it actually is? Who knows, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's the whole premise of Inception: is is, is it actually what happening? You know, or is mm-hmm. is what you're seeing real? Yeah, because well, like in a way, Cobb sort of murdered her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like literally. I was gonna say that. Uh, here's a little amusing nitpick I have for it, uh, for Inception, but it, it's not a not a problem at all. It's just something I laugh at. So you have that whole thing where where, uh, where Tom Hardy pulls out a grenade launcher. He's like, "You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, doll." Yeah. I'm like, "Why not just envision a tank and use that? <laughs> and use that to get but away?" That, it, was, it was a funny moment. Yeah, I was just I'm like, "Why not just envision bigger weapons?" Yeah, um, I, I like the interplay between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy in that movie. Tom there. Hardy's great in that. In mm-hmm. it. I also love how Ellen Page uh, kind of walks. She walks the line between be, being the uh, 
like the more wide-eyed, innocent, like uh, amazed, but also like very courageous and fearless. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, uh, kind of. Ryan, it actually reminds me a little bit of uh, Rose and the Last Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's fair. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. I can agree with that. that. That's a line I didn't. I have never drawn before, but now that you have, I'll never unsee it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think that's why I liked her character as much, and I think she's a positive character. Yeah. Uh, she, she's, know, she's not. She's not in position. She's she's in position of moral authority over Cobb. Yeah. And like he learns from her. Like, yeah. Uh, like. like morality, yeah. Yeah. Like she learns from him just as much as he yeah. learns from her. Yeah. That's very, interesting. A very similar to, di- the, to the dynamic in Insomnia. Yeah. All um, right. Yeah. Um, men learn from women. Women learn from men. Christopher yeah. Nolan. <laughs> um, uh, coming up next, uh, Dark Knight Rises. So that was the only Batman movie I've seen in theaters. The only Nolan mm. film I've seen in theaters. Uh, Nolan Nolan verse Batman movie that I've seen in theaters. Um, um, I I I I'll let Liam bitch about it for a moment, but I like it. I like it too. <laughs> so it's just there's some things that are kind of silly. Yeah, it's so just some fucking uh, stupid shit, but so, it's still fun. It's Batman. Yeah. Um. So for to tell you um, oh my thoughts on the Dark Knight Rises, I have to give you the context of going to see it. Okay, Liam, I'm gonna give you one stipulation: no fucking yelling. If okay. you yell, I'm gonna get so pissed. <laughs> so, um, essentially, uh, <laughs> yes, he's got to think. Right now, inside of inside of Liam's mind, there's like this giant Liam and a, other little Liams like tying ropes to him and pulling him down. <laughs> Um, so Gulliver, um, Liam, 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 tra- not yeah. Gulliver, uh, <laughs> um, so I was out in, uh, Penticton with my family on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the week, the, you can tell you don't, you've never, um, you, you're not like in that area by the way you say it. Um, Penticton, yeah. Penticton. Um, Penticton, Penticton, um, are you from yeah. Calgary? But like, <laughs> or Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, you want me to start yelling? Cause I'll do it. <laughs> um, so I, um, all the mainstream theaters uh, around the area were sold out for the film, and I really wanted to go. But there's, uh, but then I was pointed out to me there was a smaller, more indie theater in uh, Penticton that was doing a midnight screening of it, and this is the only time I've ever seen a midnight screening. And ob- and like obviously, I really wanted to go because um, um, uh, the the Dark Knight was my favorite movie of the time. Uh, so I bought a ticket. I went to the midnight screening. And I was like, all right, I, I love the step-by-step process. I here went we up, go. I placed my debit card into the machine, <laughs> I, I purchased a ticket. Um, I said, thank you, sir. I thought maybe I may see you. We wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything to you, you wouldn't say anything to me. We just... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, so I finished the movie. My dad uh, comes to pick me up, and uh, he's like, so, Liam, what'd you think? I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like... I did not like that very much. Um, <laughs> and he was like, all right, all right. And my dad, was, sorry, and my dad was just like, my dad was just like, what? <laughs> um, um, and like, because uh, my dad knew I'd been hyping it up for months, getting super, super excited to go. It's funny. I know mm-hmm. Liam's dad. That's not the reaction that he would. He'd be like, oh, all right. <laughs> no, my dad just was That's like. too bad. Um, and my dad was. Uh, and the best way I could describe The Dark Knight Rises is, think about when you have a 12-year-old clean his room, and you go in for inspection. It looks all good. Everything seems to be okay. But then the closet bursts open, and there's a bunch of trash falling all over the place. You're, 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 you're going hard on the metaphors today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's essentially... 
Liam's just got a rock hard boner for metaphors <laughs> in anime right now. Yeah, no, it's um. I mean, it, it's okay. I think it's one rewrite away from being a really great movie. Mm. Oh, um, I thought you were talking Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> yeah, no, I think, like, it's probably the biggest disappointment I've ever had... One of the biggest disappointments I've ever had with a movie. I see. Hmm. I, I think you're really overstating it. Because I, I, I disagree. We've, this is the most I've disagreed with Liam on the podcast probably so far. Because... I still really enjoy that movie. I'd, like Lucas and I said before, you went on your little Liam storytelling moment, was that <laughs> it's, it's got some fucking dumb shit. Yeah. A lot, a lot of really stupid shit. However, the scope and the scale of the film is, is admirable. It's, it's admirable. It's a finale. It's, it's, of course it's not going to be as good as any of the other two, but that's because they're trying to wrap it up. Yes, Christian Bale does the voice a little too much, and it has and it has David Goyer's bullshit all over it. <laughs> like, yes, yes, Michael Caine or Alfred is kind of a little bitch um, and gets nothing to do. He does not get a proper. Yeah, he send-off. doesn't. He does not do anything. Oh, and don't get me started on that <laughs> fucking twist. And then that's and, not a twist. And that's and, just something we didn't get a fair shake at figuring out. Anne Hathaway is totally fine. Really, I think Anne Hathaway is probably one of the best parts of a movie. <laughs> Sorry, you just, you just, you went from, like, being so mad to, like, oh, no, I really like that. <laughs> and Apple is probably, she kind of instantly became my favorite on-screen Catwoman. Oh, God. No, I, like, I, I really like that. I Hathaway. fucking hate everything, except for Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Um, I Which mean, is uh, funny, Liam doesn't normally like Anne Hathaway. He thinks she acts like a... <laughs> Um, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I think she's fine in the movie, but... I like her as Catwoman. Um, I mean, the, the... The ear thing, the goggle ear thing is kind of fucking dumb. It's silly, but yeah. But it's Batman, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> um, and then uh, a lot of, like, Bane. <laughs> okay, yeah. Bane, everything written around Bane. Tom Hardy is giving it his all. You he's can tell he's having so a hard. ball, but God, the writing is awful. Yeah, he it's, is He is know. trying so hard. Yeah. <laughs> you don't go off saying you're going, you has that whole speech where it's like, we're going to give the city back to the people, but I'm still going to be the ruthless dictator and kill all the army men that show up. That's, that's kind of how dictators work, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like, but here's the thing. The biggest thing that turns me against it is, how do the people of Gotham react? The people who were supposed to be, say, our worth it, they just go like, woohoo! Yeah, it kind of undercuts like the message. Dark it's such a, it's yeah. such a bad, and it's also just such a bad allegory for Occupy Wall Street. I never saw it like that, but there's a lot of yeah. There's a it's a such a it's like how Civil War is a bad allegory for the Patriot Act. Yeah, Um, the comic that is Mm. the movie does it a lot better. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Dark Knight Rises is isn't it? It's longer too than Dark Knight, isn't it? I think so. I think it's a little longer. Um, A lot of the concepts kind of get drawn out a little bit. The, the, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character is just kind of irrelevant. He's <laughs> kind of there, and he's, he's yeah. there to be Batman when Batman's not around. Yeah. Um. Even even Gary Oldman doesn't get a whole lot to do. But yeah, he, like, uh, that's that's one of the things that I was kind of. We're we're, we're, we're it sounds like we really hate this movie. But, uh, but honestly, I like it. <laughs> no, well, what we're doing is we're pointing out the flaws. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's like yeah, no, I don't think it's awful. I I just think that like I think it needed just I think it needed one more rewrite. Yeah. Um, and just, like, maybe a little more time. Maybe just, like, another year to develop it. Maybe Ditch Goyer. But, yeah. Oh, the line's like, So you came back to die with your city. You know what's funny? No. 
I can imagine stopping you. All right, we're going back three episodes. <laughs> of the podcast. This, this is this is a uh, this is a highlight from episode four of the podcast. <laughs> Earl, um, um, so that's what it feels like. <laughs> but it's fine. It's good. <laughs> I like it. It's okay. Um, I enjoyed the ride. And then uh, Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar. Interstellar. Which, which is a movie that I think... Uh, we've, we've talked about it already. We have. Fine. We have. It's a movie that kind of got... Critically, it got... Like, most critics seem to like it, but amongst, like, the film community, there seemed to be a, a, a split. Yeah, yeah, totally. A lot of people really, really, really dislike it. A lot of people love it. Yeah. Well, like, we know... I think... I think... Uh, I think Chris doesn't like it. She hated it. Yeah. 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 I said this on one of our last episodes. I got out of the theater, loved it, thought about it, hated it, watched it again, <laughs> loved it. Yeah. You know? Um, and I had the exact opposite experience that I had with, um, uh, what is it, uh, the Dark Knight, uh, with Dark Knight Rises, uh, where... Um, um, where with the first, where with Dark Knight Rises, the more I watched it, the more I just liked it less and less. Well, with um, Interstellar, I was pretty lukewarm on it when I saw it in theaters. I was blown away by the spectacle and sheer, like, just innovativeness behind the, uh, behind the camera. Mm-hmm. But it just, like, I don't know, I just had a lot of qualms with it, particularly on, like, uh, just a writing level. Um, but then, like, uh, the more I thought about it, the more uh, a lot of my criticisms kind of s- stopped being problems. So I, the more I watched it, I kind of started to like it more and more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've 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 loved it from day one and I I still love it. But I'm I'm like it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for space. Like, yeah, that's, that's just a fact about me. But you give me wormholes and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. But <laughs> fuck me up with some wormholes. Yeah, I, I loved how people were like, that's not scientifically accurate, and then actual scientists were like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson has done a many video talking about Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh, from, yeah, from what I know about the science, I, I don't know anything about the science, but people have told me it's accurate. Yeah. Um, I know I have a working knowledge of the science just from talking about it, from talking about it in school and having a teacher who uh, had a lot of uh, Kip Thorne's books. Mm. And uh, from what he's explained with me uh, uh, to me with everything, that it's more or less accurate to the theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that one of the things, uh, it's kind of a spoiler for the movie. But okay, one of the scenes that people uh, I said I wasn't gonna spoil. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, (laughs) Fuck that. I'm. I'm spoiling everything. Uh, Spoilers for Interstellar is the scene near the end when Coop and Murph finally meet up again. Mm -hmm. Um, That scene I feel gets a lot of unfair criticism. I think that's Uh, one of the best scenes of the movie. I do too. Yeah. But like people, I've I've heard a lot of criticism being like, oh yeah, so he's he went through all of this and she went through all of this. And then they're not even gonna stay together. They're just gonna fuck off, fuck off. And but like those two people don't know each other anymore. Not anymore. No. She she has spent like seventy or eighty years without her father, building her own family. She knows all the people around her so much better than Coop. And Coop's staring at a woman older than him. Well, to, to him, he hasn't seen her in what six months or something. Yeah, something like that. Like a, very, a short amount of time, relatively. Uh, He hasn't seen her in a short amount of time, relatively. But when he sees her again, she's not. She's not that. She's not his daughter. Yeah. She's a ninety-year-old woman. Yeah. (laughs) Who has 
who is older than him, but, has lived more than he but has. Lucas and... love transcends time and space. <laughs> oh, transcends time and space. Um, but no, I agree. I think. I think. I mean, when I saw that that scene in the theater, I was crying. Mm-hmm. I, I felt it. I felt the emotion because you could you could see it in both of their eyes. They they both are like, yeah, we don't know each other. Yeah. They they know that the love is still there. Yeah, like, they love each other, but they can't really spend any more time together. Yeah, it's just not how it's going to work. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it, 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 unfortunately, the, the dynamic just doesn't work anymore. And I mean, that's kind of a metaphor for the whole for the whole idea of of space travel and that sort of stuff. It's just like you know, um, I think I think there's a good comparison there where it's just yeah. like like you know, if you are willing to take the risk, like you know, there's going to be consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. Um, um, but here's my here's my review of Interstellar. I think it's all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, I do agree with your uh, I do agree with your statement on the ending, Lucas. That's mm-hmm. actually something I, with a film I also defend. Where the film does lose me a little bit still, and where most of my criticisms came from was around the middle, when like um, they go and uh, they find Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, yeah, surprise, Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah sorry, Matt that, Damon's in this movie. Yeah, because the biggest thing with that is that it's like the whole miss. It should have been the whole reveal that oh, it's like oh, this guy's alive. Like what? This guy is alive. Also, that and, it's fucking Matt and, Damon. But then it's just overshadowed by the fact that it's like it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Also, calling him Doctor Man was probably most obvious on the it's, nose. It's a little on the nose, yeah. And <laughs> to a point where they're fighting each other in spacesuits and he's monologuing. I'm like, at this point, you might as well just cue the Star Trek music. <laughs> 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 It was pretty heavily inspired by Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, it was just getting to a point where I'm like, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's uh, Nolan's funniest movie too. (laughs) Really? Yeah. For my next trip, because <laughs> the robots are funny. Like, yeah. there's not oh, a lot yeah. of Tars is amazing. Yeah. Uh, like, there's the not a lot of comedy again? in Nolan movies. Yeah, who plays Tars again? I can't remember. Uh, uh, I think it's Stephen Merchant. That would be amazing. Um, I, Stephen Merchant. I think it is. Yeah, because it's I'm Tars it and uh, Case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. The other thing that I do think is uh, that the only other thing that I do still think is problematic with it is the the whole stuff with his son. Um, where it's oh yeah, like, he's just, he doesn't give a shit about his son. Yeah, but, well, but it's he, not, he turned into Casey Affleck. So yeah, and then yeah, it's just Casey Affleck <laughs> playing his drunken douchebag self. So <laughs> it's Bill Irwin, actually. Oh okay, uh, he's just a uh, 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 stage actor, vaudevillian kind of guy. Oh, okay, um, cool. Uh, what was I gonna say? Two, four years ago, that movie came out. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I think it holds up. I do too. I yep. mean, four years is really not a long. Part, uh, time. That's one thing about Nolan is that most of his movies like like hold up. Yeah. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. really rely too heavily on the, well, save for Interstellar on technology in his films. Like mm-hmm. it's not like a massive plot point, so it doesn't. You know, when you watch something like Halloween, that it's like just use itself. Oh right, it's the seventies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he also doesn't uh, throw a lot of like uh, just very pandery like things but just date the mo- his movies instantly yeah exactly. yeah not a lot of uh, pop pop culture it, references you will never see like the floss dance in a nolan film thank god for it uh-huh. could you imagine dunkirk and they're all flossing um <laughs> so they get attention also one thing that i remember seeing when we when i saw interstellar in the theater and i was like wait what the hell was when topher grace just shows up <laughs> oh yeah like, what are you doing here yeah <laughs> Um, That's right. I forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> so did I. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's a movie I I do like a lot. Yeah, I'd um, recommend it. Yeah, it's one that I liked. That again, I'm just happy that I, 
that my first it's one of that it was one of those things where my first experience with it wasn't my final experience mm. um like uh because that's something that i always love when like i watch something at one point i'm like oh, i didn't like that very much and then i go back and uh i watch it again and i'm like oh actually you know what that's not bad i actually like this yeah, i'd much rather have it be that than it be something i thought i loved but i go back to i'm like wow did that suck <laughs> <laughs> like what no, you know what? I'm not going to let you go. Um, uh, and then, uh, well, then we got Dunkirk, Dunkirk, the most recent film, came out last year. Uh, I like it. I like Dunkirk. Fine. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. There, there's some. You saw it yesterday. I though. saw like a couple days ago. Yeah, right. But I saw it most recently. I. It's uh, definitely the movie that has the least amount of expository dialogue. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, it's nobody most... says anything in the whole yeah. movie. There's yeah, not, there's not a lot of dialogue. Not, not that, at which, all. It may, it's actually kind of a most un-Nolan movie, un-Nolan-y, or the least Nolan-y movie he's made so far. Outside of like the non-linear timeline and that sort of thing. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't find the timeline to be all that non-linear. I don't know, like it, like it sure, does, it does, it's, it, it is, but it like, is non-linear, but it's not hard to follow. Yeah, I mean, like most movies do that without telling you they do it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Dunkirk could have also just been called directing the movie because just the crazy <laughs> shit Nolan's it's, doing behind the camera. And and it's, I think it's one of his shortest movies. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about only, ninety-eight minutes or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. It's it's pretty short, especially yeah. for Nolan standards, which the whole thing is a third act. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's 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 a th- it's it's an hour and a half climax. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> 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 but um, like seriously, that movie it's so intense too. Yeah, it, like, there's it. a lot of ten- like I'm pretty sure if it was two hours, I would have had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the gas yeah. and the part like the gasoline and the water and oh yeah, fire. Jesus Christ, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that tense. was so cool. There, there's some historical things that are kind of weird because they're like uh, at one point uh, I think it was Kenneth Branagh. It's 106 minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, 106 minutes. Yeah. But uh, I think it was Kenneth Branagh who played the captain yep. that was on the beach. Yeah. And he looks out and he's like, there's 400,000 men on this beach. And the camera pans and it looks like there's like 200 people. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we we like, just couldn't get the extras. Uh, <laughs> like so the whole movie, you the see The line like, in the sand. Yeah, you, you see like a couple lines of people. I'm like, that's not 400,000 people, guys. No. <laughs> yeah. Was it actually 400,000 people in the real yeah. time? Yeah. And they got about 300,000 out mm. when really? they expected to get 30,000 out. Holy and crap. And they shot in Dunkirk. Yeah, it's one of the things. I'm like, that's really cool. Except Dunkirk is a modern city, and when the, you know the invasion was happening, uh, it was blown to shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> his, his VFX like uh, artists the, are pretty good. So. Well, the thing is, there was almost no CGI in Dunkirk. Did they just don't point at the point at the beach? Yeah, like, like the, the, to me at least. This I, I watched. Uh, there's there's a YouTube channel I watch called History Buffs where they review his, historical movies and stuff like that. So most of this I got from him. But um, in the opening scene when they're running through the town, it's like it, it, it's a modern town that is untouched by war. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, I yeah, guess, yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's weird. That's, I didn't think about that, actually. <laughs> um, I also love how a lot of a movie was filmed by just Nolan hiring big bodybuilders to carry IMAX cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Harry Styles, who did fine. Yeah, he's okay. Actually, I'm glad he doesn't say much. Mm-hmm. He just kind of is there. That scene when they're in—I think they're in a—are they in a flipped boat or in the? They're, they're in a beached boat. Yeah, and with the bullets coming in and yeah, stuff yeah. like that—that's a great fucking scene. That is a really good yeah. scene. It's this is also one of those instances where Nolan's inability to do sound doesn't bother me that much because mm. I'm like, it's it's, it's warfare. A, it's yeah. supposed to sound really messy. It's yeah, like, what, supposed to be loud. They had some Dunkirk veterans watch the movie as screening, and one of the Dunkirk veterans like. 
the movie was louder than the battle. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like, uh, well, well, one of those veterans I know for a fact lives here in Calgary. Oh, really? Um, and another one, and, like, because I saw Dunkirk with my girlfriend at the time, and it turns out that uh, her, uh, I think it was her great-grandfather uh, was at Dunkirk. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, so, he, he went on vacation there last year. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently, like, no, he was there in, like, in the battle and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. In oh, never mind. I'm not gonna tell any more jokes because he's a vet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love. I, there is a couple things that I that I will make. Yeah. I said earlier with the sound mixing and sound design in, in Nolan films. I'll give. Uh, like Liam saying, I, I, I It's hard for me not to give it a little bit of an exception because mm. it it it's war. Of course, yeah. it's gonna be loud at times. Yeah. And there was also more than more than two two British fighter planes. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was there was quite a few. <laughs> um, but how many of them were flown by Tom Hardy? None of them. <laughs> oh, but Tom Hardy's plane stuff is uh, some of my favorite stuff it in the is. movie. Yeah, I don't really cool. understand the ending of his story. Uh, I, like, I'm pretty sure he gets captured. Oh, yeah, he gets captured. But, like, why didn't he ditch his plane and get out with the rest of the soldiers? I, I think it, I'm pretty sure he was distracting the soldiers. That's, uh, that's what like, I Well, he, he, he shot down that last bomber, and then he was just, like, gliding back and forth and... I don't think he could leave because he ran out of gas. Well, yeah, well, but he, yeah, was, he, he was still gliding. Like he, he shot down people after he ran out of gas. Oh, right. But he was gliding. And he's, he's, he was turning. I'm like, he could have jumped out and got away. It, okay. could, be another <laughs> one fine. Of, it could be another one It doesn't really matter. It just kind of bothers me a little bit. Yeah. It could be another one of those instances where Nolan cut a bunch of stuff and teases us with the fact that he'll never give us a director's cut to anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the effects yeah. are incredible. They use actual Spitfires, like actual, like those, the planes that Tom Hardy and the other guy were flying around, those were actual uh, World War Two fighter planes. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. And they were actually flying them. Yeah. Right? That's nuts. Yeah, and then the destroyer that they used uh, was not an English destroyer, it was a French destroyer. Uh, but, you know, to hardcore history buffs, not, not, <laughs> not, like, way more hardcore than I am, they would notice that stuff. Yeah, gen- general public. General public is like, oh, it's, it's a big boat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, one I thing, I love, I love the usage of the ticking clock. In the in the yes. movie yeah. too, it, it was it was so cool. It it's like a it's a constant. Yeah, yeah, it adds a lot of anxiousness and and like tensity to the score. And it never speeds up and it never slows down. It's just a constant ticking clock that is for to the second. And then I love the way that they they use it at the end of the movie too. That I love the ending. The ending is fantastic. When they're reading Churchill's speech. Yeah, yeah, so good. Here's a question for you. Since you watched The Darkest Hour recently, mm-hmm. do you think it is possible to edit the two movies together so you just have one big Winston Churchill Dunkirk epic? <laughs> um, I think they look very different. They look, they look pretty different. Um, and, well, because you would have the majority of Darkest Hour, then you'd have the last 20 minutes intercut with Dunkirk. <laughs> That's how that would work. Yeah. Because <laughs> Darkest Hour, they, they cover like everything leading up to... Basically from the time Churchill was uh, made Prime Minister to basically the beginning of Operation Dynamo, as they called it. Ah, uh, okay. Um, which was like less than a month. Um, wow. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's quite an initiation to a new job. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> it's uh, like welcome, welcome, uh, congratulations, Mr. Prime Minister. Save three hundred thousand people. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> uh, uh, I need some whiskey. Because <laughs> Churchill was a very effective person, but kind of a terrible person. Was yeah, he? wasn't he? Well, he was a bit of a warmonger. I know that much. And well, a drunk. like he was, he was the right person for that time period. He was, he was a bit. Yeah, he, he, he understood war. Yeah, it's like, like he's like we're at war. 
And one of the main plot, one of the main plots in Darkest Hour is two of these politicians want to take take Churchill out of the picture, and they're like, we got to pursue peace, and Churchill's like, nah. And they're like, if you don't pursue pursue peace, we're gonna resign. Then we're gonna do a vote of no confidence, and that's one kind of one of the main tensions in the movie. And then Churchill's like uh, debating whether or not to pursue peace. And then there's this really great scene where he goes on this train and talks to the normal people. He goes on like the underground of the subway. And talks to them, and they're like, "No, fuck that. We're gonna fight them." And he's like, "All right, let's do that." All right, um, there we go. Yeah, Churchill was kind of like uh, General Patton, where they kind of needed him to fight that one battle, which he yeah. did very well. But then, mm-hmm. as time went on, it's like we don't really need you yeah, anymore. Well, Churchill actually became prime minister again after World War II in the fifties. Oh yeah, he did, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> he, just, he was not a very good peacetime leader. Um, <laughs> there was um, the last thing I was gonna say about Dunkirk to tie back to what I was saying earlier. Is Dunkirk is one of those things where, like, it wouldn't imme- the way it's made wouldn't immediately strike my attention, given that it's, like, felt like the focus isn't on the character or really story at all, but that mm-hmm. event and that thing. Yeah. And I think it's done incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way it's done, so I take no issue with that. Like, it may not be exactly what my usual sensibilities are, but I but that doesn't give, that doesn't have any bearing on how good the movie is for me. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's what kind of why um, Jeremy Johns' review pissed me off for it. I didn't. All he did was yeah, go yeah, off yeah. on this big rant. All right, about... okay, that's Jeremy Johns. So <laughs> this is the Thundercast, not not comment on Jeremy Johns. Um, although we do bitch about a lot of we do. online personalities. <laughs> yeah, um, they bitch, it's fine. But if it, I do it, it's bad. <laughs> um, yeah. So just uh, you know, that was a quick overview. Um, not so quick. I think it was about an hour. I don't know. <laughs> Overview of... Shorter uh, than any Nolan's movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This might be as long as a, as Dunkirk. Um, <laughs> cool. So you could listen to this while watching that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was an overview of uh, all the Christopher Nolan films. Um, I think, personally speaking, um, I would say The Dark Knight is probably his my favorite of his films. But I don't know if it's necessarily the best. I did say that earlier. Um, but I think it's probably my favorite. I don't know if it's his best. It's really hard for me to say which one is his best. And I don't. I think it's also almost kind of unfair. Um, mm. when, when you're like an auteur um, and you make movies that are so you, it's really, it does a disservice for me to say that one of them is the best over, over mm. other ones, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of just feel that way about art in general. There's not really much in the way of objectivity to them. Yeah. And the best implies objectivity. Yeah. Like, you can but, say with something that is, is your personal favorite. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, yeah I think, I think per, I know I have asked you, both of you, like, what your favorite thing or, or if we could rate things before. Um, this is one of those cases where I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that because it is a disservice to, to his work. I would recommend almost every single one of these films. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say check them all out. Actually, Follow them, I, you don't really need to watch. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I, actually, I wouldn't say all, almost all of them. I would say go out and seek them all, except for maybe following. Um, but I don't need to I watch. I was it. gonna say with the whole objectivity, I do feel like there is a merit of objectivity to them. Just like when you really scientifically break things down, but even then, like uh, even then, that kind of takes away from the joy of a film going experience. Yeah, and um, well, like just, I don't know. It, that that brings up a whole. Uh, conversation about what exactly is quality in art, and that's a very deep conversation. It would take a very long time to get through. So yeah, so we'll, we'll <laughs> maybe another episode. Yeah, we'll save that for another episode. Liam um, and I did want to have an episode, or we discussed um, doing an episode. Not we we're going to, but we discussed doing an episode on um, 
on critique and mm-hmm. objectivity and, and like and, what and we look for when we see mo- when we go to the movies. Yep, yep. that is yeah. a conversation um, for another day. Um, but like, yeah, no, I mean, my favorite uh, Nolan film is the Dark is um, uh, what is it? Is the Dark Knight? Um, if I were to get like more, for lack of a better term, objective. Like I'd probably argue that I'd think his best film would would probably be uh, maybe Inception, but even then, like uh, I'm not sure. Um, because I mean, like all of his movies have their own like insane degree of quality, mm-hmm. and like they're all incredibly well made and well put together films. But and a lot of them are also so different from each other, and so it's kind of hard to measure the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think was yeah. I don't know. I mean, all I could say is that it, my favorite is uh, the Dark Knight. Closely followed by Inception. Yeah, that's I, fair. I, I I absolutely adore The Dark Knight, but my favorites are Inception and Interstellar. Yeah, because uh, probably that, that's the sci-fi bug in me. <laughs> I just I just really I I just I've never seen a movie when it comes to Inception uh, about that deep into dreams before. Yeah, and like yeah. the the theory behind it and the ideas and stuff really uh, really caught my imagination. Except for maybe Spielberg's Hook. But <laughs> I mean, it also gets compared to the Matrix a lot, but I think it's considerably smarter than the Matrix. Oh, I would say yeah, so. I like it better than, than the Matrix. I'm just looking at the but. list. This is just a, a last comment. I just think it's it's kind of amusing. Uh, he's got three movies that start with the letter I. That's yeah. true. I wonder if they're all like pseudo sequels to each other. <laughs> Insomnia. You can't sleep. Well, so Insomnia. you dream, then you go to space. Yeah. <laughs> we figured you out, man. Take that, Nolan. We're on your shit now. Illuminati confirmed. Yeah. You, you suffer short-term memory loss, then, in, then insomnia, then you become a superhero, then you take a break and practice magic, <laughs> then you be a superhero again. Um, then you fall asleep, have some dreams. Then yeah. you're a superhero again. Then you go to space. Then and then you, you go then back you, in time. Yeah. <laughs> you go to war back in time. That's great. Yeah, this is just Christopher Nolan's, like... This is just a fever dream. We're all living in his fever dream right yeah, now. Yeah, basically. We are all inside Chris Nolan's head. Um, Before but, we go, do you guys want to hear a fun fact about Christopher Nolan? I sure do. Not. <laughs> hey, Christian. Hey, no, Christian. I do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, uh, apparently, Christopher Nolan does not use a cell phone Con- or email. Oh. Apparently, all of it comes from uh, the way he communicates is always through written letter. Ugh, what a fucking pretentious. Movie. <laughs> yeah, really, holy shit. I'm like, uh, changed my opinion. I'm I like, fucking wow, hate you fuck now. Fuck you, Chris I'm Nolan. Like, wow, you're like a big pusher for innovation, but yeah, you're. It's well, like... here's, well, he's sort of a pusher for innovation, but he like, he's like, I want to really innovate, but not use any modern technology. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think directors and artists and stuff they'll they'll search themselves on Google and find? Well, Christopher Nolan doesn't have a computer. Well, I know that's what we just said. <laughs> I, know, I know, but I'm just saying. Do you think artists do and they they Google themselves and find podcasts like ours and listen to us <laughs> critique them? And do you think if Christopher Nolan had a computer? That he would find this and be like, I don't like those guys very much. <laughs> <laughs> He's had three he different might, accents. Might, yeah, so yeah, maybe he'll go off on a uh, um, on a commentary for what his film's talking about, how he heard our podcast, and just go off on <laughs> a tirade. But, but like, he's not mad, he's just hurt. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be like a Guillermo del Toro-esque uh, rant. Uh, he's like, I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I'm not he's, mad, I'm, I'm not, just disappointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean it, I was just joking. So so it's so Christopher. <laughs> but you can call me Mr. Nolan. <laughs> um, anyway, so this has been uh, the... Christopher Nolan conversation for the uh, for the podcast. The Christopher uh, cast. The Christopher cast. 
That's what it's called, guys. That's that's the name. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off with uh, this. This is last episode. I tried to come up with a with a sign off, like a signature, mm-hmm. um, which was cut from the episode and and probably for a good reason. Um, but uh, I think from here on out, every at the end of every episode, I'm gonna do something. We we all can um, do something called missed opportunities. Okay. Um, so it's like when you see something in in. Uh, you know, out and about in the world. For example, I was in uh, Spokane, Washington, a couple weeks ago, and they they have legal marijuana there, right? Mm-hmm. Legal recreational marijuana, and they had a store called Smokehan, and I was like, "That's <laughs> not a missed opportunity." <laughs> like you you took the shot and you and and you did it. You yeah. you landed it. Now here's the thing: there are other things that are very blatant missed opportunities. And here's here's today's. So, why is it called Pornhub.com when it could have been Pornhub.com? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this one it is honestly a, probably should have been. Should have been. Yeah. yeah. This one isn't exactly a missed opportunity, but it's a question that's been on my mind lately. Which is, if quizzes are are quizzical, then are tests testicles? <laughs> yes. If a threesome is with three people and. A foursome is with four people. I can see why they call me handsome. <laughs> why do they call a weed if it's hard to grow? Okay. I think we, I think you've used that one on the podcast before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so this has been the Thundercast for this week. Uh, my name's Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. This is this is our declaration of war against the Sincast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there are millions of followers. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's do it.